0: Without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. you experienced?
1: Step right there!
0: The mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world this is spaced out radio with host Dave Scott all our we' big
2: boys you
0: can follow us on our website spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in follow Dave on Twitter at spaced out radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show.
3: Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh dad, you gotta stop haunting the goats. It's scaring them.
4: Alright, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Okay! Game on!
0: Game on! Game on! <laughs>
3: word is
5: All right, all right, all right.
0: Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff.
3: Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? Hiya!
1: Toby.
5: Thank you, bye-bye. It, please take your seat up the We're to
0: take
6: for Start. Two. One. Boost ignition. And lift off.
4: Good evening and welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's great to have you along for the ride on this Monday, June 5th, Tuesday, June 6th. If you're on the East Coast, hope you had a great day, night, and previous weekend. We are live right here in the Great White North on the top of the mountains of Central British Columbia as we are here seven days a week. We welcome everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are also live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We're live at SpacedOutRadio.com, Spreaker, KTLK, The Fringe FM, Ren- Talk radio out of Las Vegas, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio. And remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Like our music, get your horns up. Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, formerly of Guns and Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy, cranking out our tunes. Bumblefoot is the official sound of SOR. Now you can follow us all over social media. We definitely want you to do that. Follow us on Twitter at SpacedOutRadio give our facebook page a like spaced out radio show on instagram you can follow me at dave scott sor subscribe to our youtube channel spaced out radio show tune us in on tune in download our shows from itunes we're also on radioguide.fm player.fm talkstream live and stitcher and of course our website is spacedoutradio.com and if you head to Patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of SOR as well. Now, if you want to take part in this show, you got to do me a favor. This is what I need you to do. You need to sign into one of our chat rooms and connect with me there, because we don't take phone calls here. You go to our website, click on Listen Live, we've got a chat room there. Either on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or maybe you're one of the lucky few who... Who is part of the Facebook group, the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, do me a favor, use the hashtag spaced out radio. I'll get to your questions and comments in there as well. Now, if you add to our website for five bucks a month, you can become an SOR space traveler. And as of right now, go to our Spaced Out Radio store. You can pick up a t-shirt, an autograph poster, a sticker, or maybe you want to come up to the 108 mile ranch, hang out with old Dave Scott and his crew at the First annual Spaced Out Radio Paracon, the Caribou Paracon, runs September 29th to October 1st. Chris Desmarais, already coming up from South Carolina. He is ticket number one of our VIP pass. We want more of you there, so you can pick up your VIP passes in our Spaced Out Radio store as well. We also have a news news section called The Encounter Online, dealing with all the cool stuff that is paranormal, courtesy of our editors Eric Markham and Everett Themer. Check out my latest blog there as well, and if you've had an experience you can't explain, fill out an SOR Sightlines report. Remember as a kid stepping into the dark forest, playing hide-and-go-seek, kick-the-can, or cops and robbers? And when you couldn't find your friends... There was always that little bit of an eerie feeling that came across you, with every hair on your body standing up. Most of us never saw anything out of the usual, and it was always our imagination running wild, wasn't it? But, what if there was something there? Something so unbelievable, that even if you told your local priest, he wouldn't believe you. For centuries, there have been stories of Dogman across North America brought into modern culture by Linda Godfrey's famous book in 1989, The Beast of Bray Road. Dogman is said to be half dog, half human. We don't believe it's a shapeshifter like its cousin, the werewolf. Man, (laughs) doesn't that sound weird to say? Chris Edge is an investigator, researcher, and talk show host regarding the topic of Dogman and Bigfoot. The sightings are said to be real, but how do we know? How do we know that it's just not upright bears or mistaken identities with other wild animals or just people searching for their 15 minutes of fame? Chris Edge, welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. You're coming the distance with us, my friend. How are you?
7: Thank you, Dave. Amazing intro, by the way. I am doing fantastic, my friend. How are you?
4: I am doing very well. I had a very solid weekend, very solid weekend, where I got to do some R&R and chill out and relax a little bit. I'm feeling pumped up for this one, man, because there's nothing more that I love than being surrounded in British Columbia's nature where I am. And I know there's Bigfoot sightings around here. We've found the prints. The unfortunate part is where we found the prints, they're about to do a major, major logging cut, which is terrible. I mean, they got to work, but I wanted to go back there, and now that area is going to be absolutely ruined for it. But you know what, man? There haven't been any Dogman sightings here in British Columbia, and considering how many people use the great outdoors here, that surprises me. But before we get started getting into what Dogman is and everything, you're a young guy. You have this curiosity of these cryptid creatures. What got you into this?
7: Well going back, I was, uh, I'm not, maybe roughly in early 2000s, when Lifetime used to do reruns of Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. And in some of his shows, he made—he had, had made an episode dedicated to cryptids, They had Bigfoot on there, Skunk Ape, and Mothman. And then they also did used to go, they went to do ghost shows too. And uh, I remember the first time I saw the the skunk ape episode i was like wait a minute like that's freaky i thought that was a bear or a gorilla and then i was watching it with my grandmother and she said uh no chris those things they're real and i was like oh okay i'm not going to the florida everglades ever now and then uh i jump start to sasquatch and then 2009 2010 i'm introduced to a uh, dog man and i ever since i took a five-year hiatus after 2010 and then came back to the game in 2015 to look at Dogman Reports, Facebook groups, and other websites that radio talk show hosts such as yourself and Vic Cundiff. And that's where it all came to be, actually. And here I am now talking to you.
4: Moves fast, doesn't it? Moves real fast when you're in the middle of it and you want to learn and you're trying to find that source to learn. How much of a learning curve has it been for you to delve both feet into the cryptid world?
7: Well, it wasn't easy because I had to remind myself when I first started getting into it. Like you know, this is stuff that you can't tell a normal human being, such as a family member or a best friend, or and you know you gotta use your head and say you know you believe these things exist. Keep it to yourself. If anybody has any way to kill for, for you, you know, take a screw off because you know this is stuff that is out there. I am with a bunch of people who believe in these human, these creatures, and sorry, and you know they have this bond a strong bond so it's hard to get into the goal and you know you try to block all the ridicule out and then just remember to keep to yourself and say that you're number one you call the shots anybody disbelieves you it is what it is but as long as you have that big amount of supporters hanging on the back end I really have to say it's it's simple as that I mean there's nothing really to be afraid of really when it comes to ridicule Because if your gut instinct says, you know what you're doing, and even as an eyewitness, if your gut says, okay, I saw this, I have to tell it to somebody, then you're part of the cryptic world and you're free to do whatever you want. It's a part of the freedom of speech.
4: When you started listening to these stories, I mean, you're a young guy. How old were you when you decided to get into this? Because when you get into something like this, as I've stated many times on this show, once you open that door... There's ten doors behind it, and once you each open each one of those doors, there's another ten doors each behind each of those ten doors, and it's doors that just never seem to lead to anywhere. Did you? Decide, I was eight did years you, old. So did you decide then and there as an eight-year-old kid that this was something you had to research? Because at eight years old, man, you should be playing with Hot Wheels and, and you know, hanging out <laughs> with your friends, riding bikes. You shouldn't be worried about what the hell dogman is running around the forest. Well, when I was
7: eight, I got into uh, Sasquatch. And then I got, when I was a teenager, I got into the dogman phenomenon and... And then I think it kind of works central because, you know, I was able to get a, a nice DVD rip of Harry and the Hendersons after I saw the Skunk Pape episode. And I was like, oh, this creature's so friendly. It's not like an attack. And, I mean, even though with many Sasquatch reports, none of them have been deemed to be vicious, uh, brutal attacks, only in a few from what I've heard. So, but when you go into the Dogman world and, you know, you, you there's films, there's pictures, there's like... Uh, you know, I, I go back to watching those werewolf movies, and I'm like, well, is this what people are seeing? And then you go back and they say, this is exactly what people have seen. And it just makes you scratch your head like, well, gee, it's really no more life-imitating art. And it's art in reality because of these creatures, you know. It's not an easy thing to bear with. I mean, if you were to run across a dogman in the, in the forest, for example... And, you know, you're this, you you're a great track athlete in good health and you're running and, you know, going for your jog and you see one of these things, your face and your body gets frozen in terror. And it's like, I got to get out of here. And the fear comes on. And then, you know, you never want to see something like this. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people change their lives, their perspectives and everything they do changes after they see an encounter. It's incredible.
4: So why do you believe, or maybe you don't, that these creatures are real?
7: Well, you know, the thing is, too, and this is my original, because back in 2009, you know, anything with Dogman wasn't big. There was the Michigan Dogman, thanks to jockey Steve Cook's uh, song, and then there was Linda Godfrey's books. And I don't read anything that's boring to me. But when I picked up Linda's books for the first time, I was completely in shock. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. Story after story, this creature did this, the creature tried to do what on top of the car roof. And, you know, I, I was just like, that's incredible. But you know what, too, I mean, and the same rules can go for Sasquatch encounters, too, that, you know, th- when you have a Sasquatch encounter, you know, it's not, it's not as a terrifying experience. If for a big guy such as a Sasquatch, it's it's rough, but a dog, man, it, it's like, uh, no, I can't do this because this creature can literally straight out t- tear me apart, kill me, and that'll be the end of me. Death will be not by a bear, but by an unknown primate or an unknown canine that is running the woods all over the globe. Europe, Australia, there wasn't any in Australia, surprisingly. Europe, Canada... Um, the United States, definitely South America. There's a lot of activity all around those certain spots, Asia even. So the, the phenomenon with dogmen has really increased with how people see it. And with Amer- when every year, and even with various investigators coming forward, you know, it really just shocks me how many people come forward. You're getting 10 times more reports you get out of Sasquatch sightings that are now dogman sightings that are getting the big, at least I've counted two, at the end of the year. There is at least 3,000 reports of dogman sightings all around the United States. That's an intense number.
4: I understand that that's an intense number. And I want to go down this road right now because there's a lot of people out there who say, this is just legend, this is just... A figment of people's imaginations they don't know what they're seeing because they're not trained for the wilderness it could be deer it could be wolves it could be coyotes it could be bear it could be any animal that really that camouflages very well in our forests and the skeptics will also hit you up and say you know we don't have a body we don't have remains we don't have any quality you know fur samples I know one guy who's listening right now, he's going to absolutely love it when I say we don't have any quality scat samples. They always come back as an unknown primate. You know, we don't have much evidence besides eyewitness territory, uh, testimony, pardon me, along with the idea of, you know, tracks that could be made by humans playing tricks. So, we're dealing with something that we don't know truly exists. So how are we trying to confirm or how can we take eyewitness testimony as fact rather than as, you know, just testimony, shall we say?
7: Well, that's a question that it's going to give the same answer. And it's going to be that because I I spoke to Vic Cundiff when I interviewed him this past Thursday, uh, when Friday by you guys, um, I interviewed him and we did an interview with a couple other of my colleagues. And, you know, he even said it was like, you know, some of the evidence that Vic gets, Vic gets delivered to him. It's not a gag order. It's a sign that they say, look, this is what we saw. We don't want to post it to the public. You know, the last thing we want to have is people thinking we're crazy or we don't want to have any M.I.D.s or men and like, you know, government officials knock on our doors because we have evidence here that tells of a creature out there and when you bring that type of evidence to like let's just say where i where i live we have a couple parks we have like and by even in washington there's Yellowstone national park and 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 land between the lakes is one you know you tell that to a certain worker in the union about that type of creature being out there the logging industry and the tourist attractions will be completely disarrayed and said i'm not going out there ever again until this 10-foot, 8-foot, eight, eight 10-foot creature decides to, you know, leave. Um, I, I can't see myself working at a place like that. And that's normal for some people that happen. But then there's also the other side of it where people, and I've actually, I'm not going to give out names, but, you know, I had actually uh, spoke to a couple of guys who, you know, they've had stories and they've found a body and that, you know, they took a photograph of the body And next thing you know, they they go to sleep and go to bed. Next day, that image that they had on their phone is gone. So definitely, I think the government plays a huge factor in trying to keep this story covered up, unfortunately.
4: What is the purpose of the government trying to cover up what Dogman is? That leads into a whole different set of theories. Well, it's not, I mean, to
7: me, and this is, any other opinion coming from another researcher could have the same, but I see it besides what I just said involving like the logging industry and how, you know, no one's going to want to work with seeing one of these features exist. But for what it takes to have it, have it exist and show it to the public, you know, the biggest problem is, is that, you know, they, if you really have to, if you really want to say it, there have been people, uh, such as one of my colleagues, who's posted some photographs of what they look like HD quality, too. And, you know, he's had government cars come on to his uh driveway and follow him around. And it's basically like, you know, government surveillance. They're tapping into it. Now, I don't want to get all crazy and think that, you know, every little thing you do on the Internet, they're tapping into. But, you know, it's just that if you go out there and you show a new piece of evidence to somebody, they're gonna like it if they believe in it, but if your photograph gets taken down on social media or on a website for no reason, you can even check the files too to see if anyone got rid of it. And obviously they're not gonna find nothing because someone who has high HQ of government power can just shun that right out of the spirit. Now I'm not saying, again, that this happens all the time because other people like to wish that they respect these creatures they don't want to take photo. they'll take a photograph but keep it for their own and you know it's it's sort of like you know if you really like something you won't break that bond up It's like a relationship and that's how it goes for some of these people who have concrete evidence but won't share with it and that's happened on this show too
4: is there concrete evidence out there though like i could tell you right now anything that i want you don't know me and i could tell you it's concrete evidence and that i have it i could tell you i got well, that right but i mean we just we don't know that's the problem
7: right there i i would, it doesn't surprise me i mean i'm trying not to answer the same co- question again but i'm just saying that you know there most likely is concrete evidence i haven't had somebody come up to me or anybody in the uh, dog band groups I'm an administrator of try to show us evidence. And when they do, you know, they say, we don't want to talk about it. This is for us personally between you and me. But there is concrete evidence. It's just not going to be released to the public.
4: Is there a fear of releasing whatever people have to the public or your sources have? And if so, what is that?
7: I think the, there's a couple fears. And one I just also brought up about government following you around is one of them. Uh, the other fear is that to some people who have had a run in with a creature, they'll sit there and look at this creature and almost in a way, whether they follow the scent of the photo they took, they'll go straight back to the house and speak to them telepathically and say, yeah, I know what you're trying to do you better quit it before I come here and kill you type material. Like, you know, those have, those that's, that's another example of eyewitnesses and their testimonies, too. When it comes to telepathic connection, they make it, they say, like, this thing can do things to me if I do that to this creature, you know, and it's not, it's not an easy discussion to talk about, and I'm going to talk about it, but I'm just throwing in my opinion on it that those are some of the examples of, like, that's a fear. I would assume the government and Dogman, if they were speaking telepathically to you, would be a much more big enough risk to go out and post that photograph, but keep that photograph to yourself, and that's final.
4: You brought up the government a couple of times. Do you believe, then, that maybe this Dogman creature is some sort of government scientific manipulation of animal versus human? Um... See, the
7: funny thing is, is that I don't, there's a couple theories that run around and I've spoken with Jody Cook about it too. Um, You know, he was telling me how they've definitely captured one because there are bunkers in LBL where one can put as a hideout for one of these creatures to capture and test it, maybe to see what it has, its intelligence meter can be. So maybe they can use it for a super soldier formula and one that fails goes out and thrown back into the public. And that's one of those type of creatures that, you know, has the uh, attributes of an apex predator or a super soldier type predator that no one can hit. There have been people who've seen one and, you know, they fired a couple rounds at it and it was still moving regardless. It, it took, it could take double barrel shotguns shooting rounds and a, even a nice high tech powered sniper, a Marine had at one point saw it and tried to fire at it. But he failed because this thing did not take no damage. So, I on the on the government's scientific portion, absolutely they've had them tested. But I don't think. I also think that there are some that are flesh and blood, and ones that might be from an alien race.
4: That's going way down the rabbit hole, my friend. So you think it's an alien race?
7: Well. I don't want to sound crazy because this is not my theory. This is coming from another member in the group who has a theory on it about a certain type of dog man that has like a super soldier type look. It's called a fathead. And I call it the rogue. Now, fathead has obviously a big body and it will kill anything in its path. It doesn't care. It'll literally just tear down everything. And, you know, people who've been reported to be attacked by one are chased by one. It follows, it will keep following and following and following. So I feel in some, I'm not saying that they're all alien race. There's most likely, maybe there have been a few because it's all just theories, it's not confirmation. But that's just one of the little theories that one of the members had involving how some of them could be genetically modified, even the UFO and alien technology brought back to earth and then so on, so be it. But That's just a theory. I don't necessarily believe that they are an alien race. Could they have been genetically modified by the government and used as a weapon? Absolutely. But I mostly believe that they're also flesh and blood.
4: Let's get into the description of what people are seeing, because every time we have a show like this, there are new listeners and there are people whom may not understand what we are actually talking about.
7: Okay, well, a dog man tends to have it has attributes of a man, wolf, dog um there's ones that resemble the uh ones you would see in your Hollywood werewolf movie, but they have that built look that you would see in those type of movies, and some some of them have amber eyes, red eyes, blue eyes. And then there's the type threes that have like regular primate attributes like a gorilla or a sasquatch with a muzzle or has looks like a chow, um, like American Werewolf in London type. So you've got a couple variations out there. And then the canine types, which are like timber wolf looks, hyena, dogman types, as well as uh, Van Helsing, canine types. So you're looking at something here that you would see in a Hollywood movie but it's not a a Hollywood movie when you encounter one.
4: Size and shape-wise, they are very intimidating. They're also noted by eyewitnesses to be highly aggressive comparatively to what Bigfoot was or is. So why do you think the Dogman tends to be so much more aggressive?
7: Well... You know, the hard part about it, and thinking about it, too, no less, is is that you, each each of them have different personalities. Some personalities don't mind you, especially like juveniles, for example. The adults, however, you know, if one doesn't like a human being, they'll just look at you and say, Hey, look, uh, get away from me. I know where you, where you are, where you live. I'm talking to you don't mess with me by body language. And then there's the, um, and I also have noted that female dogmen are much more friendlier and genuine. I had a guest on my show, uh, talk about her encounter when she was this little girl, how this juvenile female came to this little playhouse in the woods and started cuddling with her as like, if she was a baby and held her and, I found that pretty interesting because, you know, going back to, well, when you look at the dog, when you hear about dog men, they're declared to be violent, vicious, and this and that. But not all of them have those attributes. And then there's the uh, fathead, the soldier ones, the rogues, who have no remorse for anything, and they'll kill anything in this path. They'll even kill another dog man if they want.
4: They are spread all around North America. It doesn't seem, though, that a lot of the sightings come in through the west coast. It seems to be more the prairies out east. Do you, do you think that they are very territorial creatures, or do you feel that they are normally just banditos or vagabonds searching and following wherever the meal trail leads?
7: Well, it's funny how you bring that up, because normally over here in the U.S., uh, dogmen tend to migrate every fall and winter. So when the winter climates change, they transition. Either they'll go from north to south or south to north, so it's a migration pattern. And and because where, where I live, at least, uh, they're making more houses, more condos. So a lot of the wildlife is losing their houses, their homes, because no one out there, like they're all just cutting things down to make money. So for them to kind of find a nice place for isolation, absolutely. You know, you're going to find one if you're in a national park and, you know, because if you're in a, if you're, let's think of it this way, you are in a small town where there's various houses, various things, this and that, but... You know, the thing is, is that these creatures aren't going to go through a residential neighborhood just to cross through. They're, they can a deer can do it, but I guarantee a dog man's not going to do it because that that's too much exposure right there, and that would definitely get them all rowdied up and mad. To but even then, though, there it's like you can't when you migrate as a place that has a lot of housing being built. They're going to migrate to different areas. You know, I know, uh, for example, uh, Florida has never had a lot of activity up until the past few years. You know, people will be turning on the back patio lights and they'll be seeing this creature just chilling in their backyard. And they're like, that's not a bear that's, or an alligator. That's a, that's a big wolf. And when it comes to migration patterns, they're definitely going to be in areas where they've never been in because, you know, they're obviously, they're, they're losing their housing already in the wilderness. And their more population they have, the more breeding, the more they have pups and kids, you know, it's, you're, it's basically like the human population. It's like how many more logging industries have to tear these houses down to build homes for pretty soon these creatures are going to end up being in our backyard as a, as a pet, even though I wouldn't consider it a pet.
4: A lot of people have reported that they see it running on all fours and then mildly standing up. A lot of people say it runs on two feet. What kind of reports are you hearing about that?
7: I hear both. I hear the running on all fours, very similar to the American werewolf uh, or your typical dog. Uh, then I get the ones that walk bipedal, and then I get the ones that – will use, will kneel down and then hop and leap to the other side of the road or to somewhere else, leap on a tree. Those are the reports I've been hearing about. And, you know, it it works both ways. I mean, they both can perform, but, I mean, and regardless the types that they are, like, they're going to be, no matter if it's a type three or a canine variant four, one's going to always run on fours or one is going to run on his two legs by head because, you know, that's just how they, how they do it whether it's in a hunt mode or just to trying to um not put on a show but whatever instincts it takes for them to move on because but to answer your question yeah yes both have been able to walk on all fours quadruple and there's been others by bed
4: so for a lot of people who are unfamiliar with the dog man they confuse it with a werewolf. I do that still. I still do not know the difference between a werewolf and what a dogman is. So, break down what the difference is.
7: Okay. Well, a dogman will be like previously stated, you know, tall, muscular, and will have a snout. Um some don 't have tails, one of my friends and also a uh, part of my co-host David Kyleman, also said for the record that there he has he had seen one that had a tail on it and ran on all fours, so we would classify that one as the Michigan dogman, and you know some have tails, but there 's never never been a full report in after the past fifty years of this getting big. No one has reported seeing one transform than on when, when, when there was a full moon. But there has been reports of those being sighted when they were with either clothing on them, t-shirt, or a thing of jeans. So it might, might end up being, maybe it could be a werewolf or a shapeshifter, who knows? But 90% of the time, the reports that we get are just full-on fur, you know, black fur, genitalia, a snout, pointy ears, typical-looking werewolf, but it doesn't have attributes of a werewolf.
4: I find it's just an amazing type creature, because it's said to also carry very, very large amounts of strength in its bodies. Like, we're not talking about a, you know, a wimpy creature that's going to run away from a fight.
7: Absolutely not, and it's funny how you bring that up, because I had interviewed Jody Cook earlier by me uh, yesterday, and Jody was even telling me how, like, you know, it, the, and I even said Jody, too, because we both agreed. You know, to normal people who don't know what these creatures are, this is like the, they think of the lion or the tiger as the apex predator of the jungle. I consider Dogman to be the apex predator of the jungle. You know, a lot of people uh lately, I forgot where he told me this was going on, but in one of the areas he's normally he's from or one of the places he collected a report from, I don't know which two them was what, but he had said that there were these... Um, there was a... Hold on, I'm trying to think real quick. I'm trying to make sure it's the right information. He told me that... Grizzly bears, Kodiak bears who are in the wilderness, they've been seen reported with broken backs and their chest been punched in and it looks like they're slowly dying. So, and another Kodiak or another grizzly wouldn't do that unless it was a predator threat. But the the damage done internally is what animal, what Kodiak, what bear could do such a thing? So there's definitely another animal out there that was able to break some other animal's back strong enough. And it definitely can out overpower a gorilla, a shark. And most likely, I mean, we're even though that we don't live in this time period, but you know, if we saw Jurassic park in real life, I mean, you know, who knows it might be able to take out a dinosaur, but you know, it's, it, it has such a strong attribute, muscular and tone wise that, This thing can jump through windows. This thing could, you know, jump seven stories high off an apartment complex, and it could, you know, it can kick cars. It could literally run, overhaul a a a large amount of people if it wanted to by stomping on them or kicking them. They have strong forks, and it's not just flesh and blood. Those who believe in the whole supernatural side of dogmen, believe that that's how they get their side on how they're so strong but there's been reports of flesh and blood even then just you know like they can take they'll take out anything they'll rip a door handle like they'll rip an entire door open you know and it's just like makes you scratch your head it's like this thing you can't even get away from it even if you want it to because of how strong these things are
4: has anybody ever eyewitnessed an attack from this creature on, say, another animal.
7: Like, are you asking who? If someone was attacked by one, but they no. Uh, no so let's they let's, out,
4: let's say we have a hunter out there hunting deer. Okay, hunting deer, and they decide, and then all of a sudden they come across a dog man that is hunting deer. Have we had any reports about that happening? <laughs> You know, I, I think
7: there's a couple stories, I think, of, of a hunter who, and this is also seen in Sasquatch, too. You know, when a creature such as a dog, man, or a Sasquatch, when they enter a hunt mode, they'll look at what they're seeing. And if a hunter's near, they're going to ignore the hunter. They're just going to go right straight ahead to the deer because they're in full hunt mode and ready to get the prey, they're definitely going to choose the uh, deer. And there has been a reporter, a report of a sighting that actually happened with a guy who was going out hunting one day and he saw this like deer run away. And next to him, not even like a couple five fifty feet from him was this creature that just got up and was just charging right at this deer. So definitely the, you know, hunters will see them chasing deers and, you know, they will be ignored because, you know, a dog man's got their prey all set up. They're not going to go after this hunter now like, and lose the opportunity at getting their prey.
4: Has a hunter or any stories about anybody in the wilderness ever had their prey stolen? Maybe they shoot a deer or a rabbit or something along those lines. Have they ever come face to face on having to choose survival versus getting their, their dinner?
7: Oh yeah, there, are, there. Some of the reports that we've collected. Because I'm also a member of the NADP, the North American Dogman Project. Um, some of the reports that came forward on you know campers at night hearing these strange sounds, and um, even if there's like a like a deer carcass, that's like a deer is dead. Let's just say the hunters, for example, they'll leave it there and they'll camp there for the rest of the night and they'll hear these noises and hear this creature just pick this thing up and run away with it. There's a story that happened uh, in Wisconsin, and it was a story of a guy who was working for the local DNR, and he was picking up a deer and putting it in his truck and went to go fill out the paperwork, and this creature just got up, came out of the blue, and was literally like struggling to get this creature out of his back seat or his back of his truck before the creature ended up going next to him trying to open up the other door, which he didn't, he just sped off. But when it comes to hunters and even eyewitnesses who pick up roadkill that work for the state, you know, they, they even say they're like, you know, these creatures, like I can have, if I wanted to hunt like bear, but I can leave the thing of bait out. And I put that bait there. I'm gone for two minutes in the tent. I come back out of the tent and then boom, it's gone. And No sudden footsteps either. It was all quiet, and they'll see that they'll say their prey was not taken by a bear, and they'll look at the claw marks on that tree. And you know, I'm not a I'm a a doctor on that part, but they can tell that's like you know, big long claws like that a bear don't have. So they're definitely taking prey. If they can't find anything, they'll take prey, and if it gets caught on the game cam then it's the perfect time to get caught because, you know, they'll do their best not to expose their face, but, you know, there's various reports of people getting their prey taken away.
4: That would just be eerie. You know, you finally get your hunting kill, you know, and there's a lot of hunters in this area, <clears throat> pardon me, who, who are out there on a daily basis and you know whether they've got their deer tag their bear tag their moose tag whatever they may have okay they're out there battling the elements but when you come across something that isn't supposed to exist how startling have these reports been for a lot of these hunters
7: well i don't some of them aren't hunters but some of them were just eyewitnesses who saw it there is a story that vic had on his show. he had a guy come on his show it was uh he aired it sometime, uh, early in the year or last year, I believe. One of the two. But anyways, uh, it was a young guy. He's like 20 years old. And at the time, this is in 1981 and he was driving alongside this road. Next thing you know, this creature almost like decided to hop in the front seat on the passenger side and tried to lick him and she, like was grin, grin, like literally grinning at him with his teeth out and the guy said on this episode and he was so distraught by what he was hearing what he was seeing he had told Vic he was like i'm never ever going back to this place ever again i don't want to go out camp even i don't even want to go out for a trail run cuz what i saw that night scared the living hell out of me and the same rules apply to those who um hunters like there was a fisherman in lbl and we'll get back, we'll get into that one in a little bit when we get to the lbl saga um, you know, he, you know, the fishermen will see things like that. And there was a fisherman who was, I think it was in Michigan. He was, uh, leaving home for the day with his buddy and they had something swimming coming right next to them. And it was this big dog. They sped it up and got out of there, left the boat, got, got into their car and just left because, and they, and they importantly, according to the story, they, they say that they never returned to the site because they do not want to deal with such a creature in that area because if next time if I'm not if I'm there by myself I could easily be lunch to them or it could be a game of hide and seek
4: for so many of us this creature is very hard to believe in okay the information seems very very skewed it seems very very uncommon uh you know hypothetical in ways. How do you take these reports seriously that are coming in?
7: Well, see, the thing is, is that when I speak to people or because uh, also because I am an administrator on a, on a couple Dogman groups, we've had some people tell their stories not on, sh- I'm not on a big show or any other show, but they'll tell it through the group on the posting it as a post. And we had one guy who always used to go outside at night. He lives in Germany. He always goes out and has smoke. But ever since he had his dogman encounter, by, by this cabin that's close to where he lives, he is definitely afraid to go out at night. He doesn't like to go out at night. If, if anything, he shuts all the windows, shuts everything, makes sure they're blindfolded, uh, and, like, well, blinds cover him up, and he just sits there, and he'll smoke inside. You know, because he's like, I just don't want to go back out there. There's just something out there at night. I don't even want to go back out there during the daytime because it's just a traumatizing event. And that's that happens to a lot of people. You know, there's so many that are traumatized by seeing these things that all of their daily activities are living in fear. Hope that they don't see this thing again. It, it's common. But for them, when they tell some of their stories, uh, when it comes to disbelief or BS, um, you know, some people will come in and troll around and make a joke about it, and we get rid of those people. But the, most of the people that we are in contact with on these in this Facebook group, they're very genuine. They say that we swear we'll take a uh, we'll take a lie detector test or you know whatever it takes because to prove that what they saw was not your average bear or dog, it was a creature they can't describe and it's hard for them because so many people get so wrapped up in what's happened with everything that we've came across from what they talked about and researched and encountered that their daily lives change you know people won't go to work until nine o'clock in the morning when the sun is at full rise by me and they'll leave work at four or five during the uh daylight savings time before it hits dark before and they'll get home by the sunset and go indoors all day and all night and won't wake up and won't exit that house. Even if they had to rush to an emergency, they won't leave the house because it's just completely that whole fear factor of, this thing could be out there waiting for me.
4: So how do you vet people? How do you vet them to know that their stories are true? Because I know even having guests on this show, and we hear some really strange stories around these parts. You know, how do you vet them to show whether or not they are telling you the truth?
7: Well, first and foremost,
4: and this is the type
7: of practice that I've done, even though that I wanted to be a psychiatrist for the longest time, but I didn't want to go to school for all those eight years. But um you know, everybody who has a story, I'll private message them and have them tell me the story left to right from start to finish. What did you see? And I told them, I always tell people and some people can find this a little bit of a, of a bad thing, but it's just a way of being a researcher. You've got to make sure that people aren't pulling your plug. And, um, I'll say, Hey, uh, are you, think you're telling me the truth, correct? You're not BSing me or. You know, you, are you, I'm telling you right now, you better not be messing around with nobody in here. You're going to tell me the truth, and this is what you've seen. This is a research group. We, everybody here has stories, but I want to know your, what you're telling me now is authentic. And then I had a private phone conversation with one of the guys who had an encounter. When he was telling me it from left and right after I said it to him. And he said, I swear, Edge, I swear I would never make this up. And the guy cried on the phone. He was just completely terrified after he told his encounter. So when it comes to those who are authentic and if they cry and you can tell that they're viciously like ugly crying, that this, they definitely had an encounter that they can't explain. And it's tragic to them because the last thing you ever want to do is ever have to, you know, encounter one and changes your perspective. But it's hard in a society nowadays to try and tell the public that you saw this thing without having ridicule and more importantly, skeptics coming at you because they don't believe in this stuff, because they find it a whole bunch of bull anyways with a fairy tale thing. So I, I like to be a little bit more aggressive when I come to interviewing some people about it because I want to make sure that what they're telling me is authentic and you're not just pulling my plug or the other guys' plugs or anybody reaches out there like Linda or Vic because we research this stuff. This is legit. This is serious business. And, you know, you got to be honest and tell the truth because you, you bringing me this report or you telling me your story, it's, you, it's going on the record and you're, it's going to be authentic. And, you know, that's all you got to say after that. And but most of the times I've came out with a uh, with those questions, you know, they'll be like, Oh, I swear. I'll take a lie detector test, this and that to prove it because they'll still stick to their stories. Uh, But also too, I don't think a lot of people tend to, some people make it for 15 minutes of fame. Like they'll post photographs of uh, like bushes and blobs of anything out there that looks nothing like you see as a dog, man, they'll take photos of trees. It's called pareidolia. And those are the type of people that we, we, we hit on and say, look, you better be telling us. We don't see nothing in this ph- photograph. I had one guy who was in a couple of the groups who always kept posting, posting, posting. Paradalia. It was just a bunch of trees and a bunch of uh, grass. And, and, you know, every time I tried to give him an answer to say, look, can you tell me what, what is this? No response. So I could identify who's BSing and who's not BSing.
4: We only got about two and a half minutes before we go to break. What is, in your opinion, a person's best defense if you come across a dog man? My personal—I'm well, I'm, going to be honest—with my personal defense is when I go into the forest. Now I'm bringing tennis balls.
7: There you go. That—that's actually—and I'll tell you the truth. That's actually a good smart tactic because I'm—I'm um, I'm one of those guys who is against killing one. But I will be pro-kill if I have to. If I have the last resort of this thing's going to come right at me and try to hurt me, I'm definitely going to use action. I'm going to fire a gun. But also, learning from a couple other researchers, some have used air horns. They've downloaded apps on their phone for air horns and sirens because, uh, I guess, from what I was told, uh, they don't like the noise. Their ears are sensitive, and they'll leave you alone. But it 's not like you can 't just go up to one of them and like act like you 're going to attack a bear or like a, you're gonna, you got to scare a bear off these creatures have to be scared to an extent in order for them to leave you alone. Air horns and sirens is what i 've always looked at as a way of getting away from one, but if you have no choice you got if you have to shoot it
4: tennis balls my friend every a dog can 't. Can't live without a tennis ball. I have yet to find a dog who can. I'm bringing tennis balls I'm, into the forest, man.
7: <laughs> I'm waiting for the big, uh, I'm waiting for the encounter that says, hey, I gave the dog a tennis ball, but he didn't like it. Threw it back at me like rocks with Sasquatch.
4: You know what's funny is I actually had a dog, uh, my my favorite dog I ever had, and I bought him tennis balls for Christmas one year. And he didn't like them because they were all different patterns and stripes and circles and all this kind of stuff. He didn't like them. So I had to take them back to get him green tennis balls because that's what he was comfortable with. It was ridiculous. Taking back a a, a Christmas present for a dog because he didn't like the tennis balls. Imagine. Man's
7: best friend even doesn't like it's very picky.
4: Exactly. We are right up against the break here. Hour number one of Spaced Out Radio is in the books. we got two hours of cryptid talk left with Chris Edge, investigator, researcher, radio show host on the topics of Dogman, Bigfoot, and other cryptids that are hanging around the woods of North America. The sightings are there, people. They are there. Whether or not you want to agree or not that these creatures exist
5: too many people
4: are seeing them too many people are seeing them and not everybody is going to make that mistake you're listening to spaced out radio i am your host dave scott we'll be back with hour number two right after this Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hills Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal. UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
5: From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From coastly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with Mufon Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them.
3: Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at SpacedOutRadio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today.
8: It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter at SpaceOutRadio.com. The Encounter, online, is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to SpaceOutRadio.com and encounter The Encounter.
1: For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle.
6: Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media, have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details.
3: Have you got your cosmic passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
5: From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest. From Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between, this is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal, when we can report the Pacific North Weird, right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock, loud
0: and proud, in high definition, Radio 702
6: Rocks, Las Vegas.
2: Every Saturday and Sunday night as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness. You can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up. Enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there
3: don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live wherever you are the car the office the shower or even if you're traveling we're right here for you each spaced out radio show can be found on itunes TuneIn, and on our youtube channel spaced out radio show it's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows for more information just head over to our website spacedoutradio.com and tune in to us today
0: the views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to SpacedOutRadio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR.
4: Welcome back to hour number two of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Great to have you along for the ride. Tomorrow night on Space Out Radio, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time, Elizabeth April is going to be back connecting with you, our monthly feature, as Elizabeth comes in from Toronto, Ontario, to help us connect with the higher self. We all got it in us, apparently. We're going to learn about that tomorrow night. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time. SpacedOutRadio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock, the key down in noon in Georgia, home of The Walking Dead. We are also live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Thank you, UPRN, for being with us and letting us be your nighttime show. We are live as well on KTLK, the Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, and if you're listening in on. revolution radio remember the double r machine is a donation station financed by you the valued listener head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today bill cardwell has set the password for tonight in the sor space travelers club fallosiloquence fallosiloquence is your password make sure you use it wisely space travelers as bill sets the password each and every night right here on the mighty SOR. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where you could go to the SOR Space Traveler store and pick up a lot of swag right now. We have T-shirts, stickers, posters that I will autograph personally for you. We also have on sale vip passes until july 31st they will be 10 percent off if you get them now for our first annual spaced out radio caribou paracon which will happen at the beautiful spruce hills resort and spa in 108 mile ranch british columbia september 29th to october 1st i highly suggest that if you want to Attend a really, really fun and cool weekend. Get your VIP passes. Today, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. While on our website, you could sign up for the SOR Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month, rock out to some Bumblefoot, as well as read up on the Encounter Online, our news section put together by editors Eric Markham and Everett Themer. Tonight, we are talking all things cryptid, namely Dogman, with Chris Edge. He is an investigator, researcher, online radio host as well. Chris, welcome back.
7: Thank you. Thanks for having me back, man.
4: I think in the first hour, we were able to really capture your passion for this creature, whatever it is. And there are so many different definitions as to what it could be. Are we any? Are we getting any closer at all to finding any definitive proof to prove whether or not this creature truly is alive in North America's forests?
7: Well, you know it's interesting how you say that because uh, you know we've the person I interviewed today. His name was Jody Cook. Jody Cook's a founder of NADP, and he's also an investigator as well. You know he's cracked into some files as well on the whole dogman phenomenon. And, you know, even he, for what he's done, his research in 30 years, and he's even came out saying, you know, we're not really close to finding out what more of these creatures, what they can do. We can only find out now what they do in their habitats and how they kill, how they act. But I think, you know, there's more to it. I just don't know the answer for that because it's a huge and we just don't know much about them, you know. The same rules apply to Sasquatch. We don't know much about Sasquatch's last guy, you know. We only know what the media can throw out if they care about it, or what reality TV throws out. But you know, what's side of the bargain is BS, and what's not. But with all the researchers I've spoken to, you know, they they've written books, and they're still finding out more information, you know, and, uh, whatever it is. But you know, we may not even get that information until the times when we are all passed away and we're, you know, gone from this planet and then we'll have a new generation come in and see if they could debunk and get closer to the answers. You know, for example, such as if maybe they can, one of these days we can communicate with one without having to look, it, look at it and be in fear with it and actually live with one. And you know, how they act, how their skills, there's been already reports of them, you know, learning how to turn up, turn, turn on a car or to open up a car door to uh, not firing a gun, not getting too cheesy, but they are learning how to do things close to what humans do. And that's the thing right there that's just, like, scary but intelligent at the same time.
4: So there is, in your opinion, some sort of intelligence with this creature? Absolutely. I, um, you see,
7: you know, like some of the things that come around from some of the stories I've heard is that, you know, I had a guest on my show because I had done a 30th anniversary Dogman song uh, special. And one of my guests on the show was telling me how he saw one and like up close and how, you know, every time he turned his back. To walk, the creature stopped walking, but it was hidden from him in distance. But every time he'd come back and walk again and it stopped. So they're intelligent enough to keep, they can mimic the tracks as well as, uh, like Sasquatch can mimic, uh, voices and mimic like regular, uh, screams of a deer or, uh, of a, or a bear and they can mimic other human beings. I mean, not in a full general 100% mimicking voice, but you know, they can definitely fool you for a different animal when it's really them.
4: Do they mimic other creatures as far as we know?
7: Uh, I haven't really dug deep into that. So I don't necessarily know if it is. It wouldn't surprise me if they have because the uh, reports of how some of the hunters have felt that or heard uh, like a nice, like a a similar mimic voice of uh, a voice, but like a, of a regular, um, how a bear roars, uh, a dog man can pick up on that and roar like the exact same way. Just, it's a little, no, not, not fully 100%, like I said, accurate, but it's close enough. And, you know, think of it like, uh, the werewolf howl from American Werewolf in London, for example. You know, that, that is like a howl like that that can mimic such a predator such as a cougar, a bear, and even an elephant. Can that, mimic that noise, and it, it's just a, like a goosebumps and like very like frozen look. It's like, did, what made that noise? Was that a bear or was it an uh, unknown creature? We don't know if that's around us because you know that, and that's the instinct. Some people will be like, oh, well, I don't want to get killed by one of those things.
4: When hunters have been in the vicinity of this creature what do they feel? What reports have you heard that they feel when this creature seems to be around and then they get that sighting? Because I know people who, who have had encounters with Sasquatch and they said, you know, the air felt a little bit different, just something seemed out of the ordinary and they couldn't put their finger on it. And they felt on alert.
7: Well, you know, first, instinct, I think, when anybody goes into the woods, is their paranoia will get to them and say, you're being watched. Because you when you're deep, thick into the woods and you're all alone, you have camping gear, if you have a gun, if you're smart, you have a gun, and, you know, your instincts is because you're going to be, you're all alone, you're going to have creatures going to be around you, whether it doesn't have to be Sasquatch or a dog, Man, it could be bears, Cougars, or Bobcats, you know, they're all over. But when you're in the vicinity of a dogman type creature, you know, you'll, you'll feel, and like it goes back to the one guy I just spoke to that, you know, when the creature can mimic your footsteps, how it walks and it, you know, it, it's, you, you stop and it, and it stops, you turn around to see if anybody's following you because you can, you can hear br- like rustling in the, in the leaves and trees and, you know, then your mind begins to get a little bit of a, of your, your brain. Your thoughts are like, you got to get out of there. And, you know, a creature can literally go as far as, you know, mimicking. And when it comes to being in the wilderness alone, because you could step one foot into the woods in dogman-related territory. And you could be about maybe four miles away from the one dogman that's in the woods, far on the off, off the end, and they can still hear you. They'll be able to hear your scent and smell it and know where you're at. So when they get closer to you, your body might begin to feel like you're being watched, like you're going to shake, you're going to get goosebumps, a cold sweat maybe. And, you know, unless you turn around and you're frozen in terror when you see these creatures right next to you, I mean, that just justifies enough to say that I never want to go out in the woods again with one of these creatures running around because that's that typical That's a good, uh, I could be a great lunch to this creature. So in conclusion, they're very, 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 when you're in the wilderness, they, when they know you're there, you don't, you can even like pull up to the park and put and log in to the park, say how long you're going to be in the woods for and they'll still know you're there. You know, it's like they can sense it and they then that's how they kind of circle around like a group and just watch. And see how you die, how any camper goes in the woods because that's their territory, and the last thing they want to have is invaders destroying it or ruining it. That'll create a a problem and would result into an attack.
4: So when this creature is in these vicinities, that it's that it's seen in, are multiple sightings in that area? Or is it like a one-and-done sighting? So let's say I'm in the park, you know, or in the forest right by my house here, which is literally about a mile away. If I saw one there, is that dogman territory, or is the likelihood of me getting a multiple sighting of that creature in that area slim to none?
7: Well, the thing is, is that a lot of people, um, and this is another... Going back to Linda Godfrey's one case as well as going into what my opinion is on that. You know, for the longest time on Linda's uh, she, stories when she was first coming out with it, you know, it was just one creature being like spotted. And then a couple, about a, 10 years go by and then you got like the teenagers who want to go and see whether this thing does exist. Uh, right when they were about to leave, they saw two of them and one had male genitalia and they were able to notice that. And so they definitely, I do believe that sometimes one might be by itself, but then another one, whether it's female or male, might be in the area. They might be able to mate, have a pup, and start a population. But most of these dogmen from the stories I've always read is that, that sometimes the ones that are all alone are loners for, but are not harmless. They just want to, you know, live. And then there's the ones that are in the packs, like a wolf pack to just, you know, make their area, their little um, town, safe and protected from any human um, contact. So, I mean, you know, when it comes to the way they use populations, it definitely stirs up a, a huge factor because I believe that they are in a population. They, they run in a pack, you know. If you only see one in the woods and you leave the other vicinity of opposite of that sighting of where you just saw that creature where he's at, and then you go uh to the car and then you'll see like all four of them pop out and it's like because they know you're there. And it's just like until you step to get hit the gas and leave, you know, or, or even in some cases, you know, you'll have a scent. Uh They'll pick up your scent and they'll follow you back to your house. They'll have a pack of them with them. Just looking at the house and just walking around it like, you know, it, and it's crazy to think and what I'm saying might be a little outrageous, but you know, in some of these reports I've gotten and listened to on Vic's show and as well as stuff I've read, looked up, you know, they, they, they don't leave their other pack behind. Now, if it was a rogue or a, a, a fathead dog man, those are the ones that normally are the killers and they will always be alone. They don't even get in contact with a, another fathead because they may as well kill that other fathead. That's just how it rolls on that type of dog man. But to answer the question, yes, they do run in packs. They have, they can live and migrate in a town, in their town, in the wilderness, like any other human being can do it regularly, but in living in a home. You know, they definitely run in a pack.
4: I thought they were more solitary animals, much like Sasquatch.
7: And they are that too. And that's why I said some of them, like some of the loners, they don't always uh, go in a pack. Some just, you know, they just their own thing. And, you know, if you see one, they'll look at you and then, you know, back off. If one's not, you know, if one's already eaten, it'll just like get you out of there. If one's not eaten and it's starving, it'll look at you and be like, Ooh, dinner and chase you out of the woods. And those types, you know, they'll just stay away from any human contact in the woods, but they'll, they'll chase a human out of the woods. There, there's been reports of uh, people, of kids who went into the woods and they thought what they saw was a puppy or a dog, a lost dog creature got up and you know was starting to chase after them, and it basically almost grabbed the kid with its claws, but it ripped off part one of its part of its shirt and you know, I don't know much more about a story besides that incident because I think it was in Linda's blog, but it was basically like they some of them love to be left alone, whereas others love to be with the pack. The ones that like to be alone. You know, they're like the typical loner. You know, leave me alone. This is I just live here. This is where I want to live, breathe, eat, and die. And that's final.
4: Let's get to a question from Ron here. Ron is asking, what percentage of hunters do you estimate never speak of their encounters? 85. I thought you would say and, higher. I really thought you would say higher. Well, you
7: know, it's interesting because... Um, hunters you know we've had in these groups and I'm only going by the groups because this is where we get most of the stories from and the hunters who are telling these stories you know they come from the you know they they, they do the, and some of them still do their material like they'll be nature they'll to go on nature walks or go camp but like most of these hunters that come forward to us and they even say you know and they have family with them they're like look I mean you know I know there's a certain spot where you can't mess with one of these creatures but you know, they'll always come out and tell a story because, you know, when you try to explain to the newspaper that you saw this dog-like creature that was had pointy ears and looked like a werewolf, you know, it, it's not, you can't, they're going to look at you and be like, you're, you're just watching too much TV. So who do they go to turn to? They go to turn to those in the Facebook groups or they might call up Linda or Vic and say, look, I think that I saw something that resembles what you guys talk on your show, what you write in your books, and we've had it happen a lot. I think as of late, because we've had a, a guy come on, um, he was, he's always on Vic's show telling second-hand stories, and they've had a bunch of people from Texas come on the show, uh, well, not come on the show, but come to the group because of this guy who t- goes on Vic's show, a lot of Texans. And some of them are hunters, and they've been hunting all their lives, and they've never seen this thing. So to them, they see it as just another animal they don't want to mess with because they even say, my, my gun won't be able to kill this thing. It might take out a bear after nine rounds, but this thing I can see lasting more than nine rounds.
4: So in your opinion then, and I realize this is going to be a very far fetched answer, and I'm not setting you up for failure here. So the Canadian's coming out of me now, you know. But it's all good, buddy. In your opinion, then, what type of population are we talking about here?
7: Population as in their territory or in uh, well, uh, just, the just, territory?
4: just in general, like, do you think. Dogman has a large breeding population. Would you say there's maybe 500 of these in North America since they're spread around but not seen very frequently? Would you say there's 1,000?
7: I would say 1,000, yeah, roughly, because, you know, real quick, going back to my whole uh, rant on on doing the, uh, when it came to how population for us as humans, you know, where I live, you know, they're building more and more homes. You know, and these are creatures that have children or, or preteens and juveniles and they, you know, they're just trying to live their lives because the way they look, you know, you can't go out, they can't go out to the public and, you know, say, hey, I'm here guys, hello, and without having them run the other way screaming in terror. So, you know, they, they, they choose their best instincts to keep them, uh, you know, when it comes to population, they definitely, there's been reports of them living in abandoned houses. I brought up LBL with the bunkers. Uh, you know, there's been reports of them actually, you know, in back to another story I did earlier with a girl with the playhouse. You know, there was reports of uh, dog men just relaxing in these playhouses, you know, as a way of sanctuary. Because, you know, of all the um, funding, the building, a lot of the like their wildlife, it's all going away. So they don't, they have nowhere else to turn to. They, they, they can't just commit suicide themselves unless they fought another dog man, and they somehow lost. So they, they gotta find alternatives in order for them, even if it takes them running across, uh, like an abandoned, like not an abandoned, uh, town, but a street, if they, if they just, you know, run through there and sneak through to get to this other part of the, uh, wood, woods so they can just meet up with the rest.
4: You've mentioned LBL a couple of times in the first hour and this second hour. Take us through what LBL is. Awesome.
7: Uh, this one's going to be this is a good one.
4: Um, LBL, Land Between
7: the Lakes, is a national park in Kentucky, and it kind of spreads between the lines of Kentucky and Tennessee. Before 1963, it was called Between the Rivers, and then JFK and the industrial industry decided to come in and change it up a little bit to make it more of an effective national park because there's residents that also live in LBL. There's, you know, diners, there's like work areas and there's houses and they all follow in the same protocol by, uh, living there. It's a huge park and it has a bunch of activity. There's been, uh, there's cemeteries there from the natives. There is, uh, Indian burial grounds. There, it, there was uh, a hotel. It was called Hotel California where a teenager was a vampire and literally did a, a, like a legit real life lost boys and recruited vampires for his cult. Uh, Satan worshippers and uh, KKK incidents over there too with supernatural powers and stuff like that. It's basically like LBL is like Waverly Hill Sanitarium. And in a cryptid discussion, because there's so much action, there's so much carnage and so much crazy encounters and the locals, they know about it, but you know, they, they get angry when a local, like a non-local individual who comes in to take a look at LBL, they'll come in and like, look, we know what goes on around here. You got to leave us alone. Just don't bother, go home and leave. You know, we know about this stuff. So they don't want to hear about it. You know, that's like uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, for example, with the Mothman. You know, like they know it's there and, you know, they don't want to be ridiculed or, you know, made a laughing stock out of because, you know, people have seen these things and they don't have no, they don't know how to describe it because it's so rough. So LBL to me is like the best hotspot for activity, paranormal or cryptid. It's it's all there.
4: So with this LBL, do we see a lot more action in that area?
7: Absolutely. Uh, if you want, you want me to get into like the uh, murders? You're,
4: you can get into All anything right. you want as long as it leads towards Dogman. <laughs> All
7: right. Well, there is, and this has been going back since the past for a few decades now, um, there was, a, there's this place in LBL. And it has a bunch of housing, it has a bunch of um, residents, and in this residence, uh, I'm not, her name is Jan Thompson. You've probably heard of her, and you've probably heard of Barton Nully too. He's done some reports on LBL as well, but Jan lived in LBL for her whole life. She isn't to nowadays, or even comes out to the public because of some ridicule that's happened in the past few years with her, but... You know we don't know what's going on with her, but anyways, um, LBL. We there's a creature there called the LBL beast, and the beast has similar attributes to a dog man. It has the body, it has the pointy ears, it has the eyes. It looks. It kind of looks like a bat, but it's also it has like a bat face, but it's it's definitely not a bat. And some people believe that uh, it was an angry shaman who was uh, killed because he used his powers for evil as a supernatural. Now we're getting to a supernatural lore of it and tried to just, you know, when they finally killed him, he cursed the place and said, I want this place to be my spirit running around and being a hotspot for any activity that happens in the future. And Jan uh, was growing up and hearing this story and she was like, that's, that's a little outrageous. One of her cousins was coming home one day and said that this creature tried to grab him off his bike, but it failed because I guess it got caught up in a tree uh, branch. And, you know, when she found out about that, she was like, oh, there's definitely something here. And then there was an incident that happened. And Jody Cook told me this story just today. And everybody else didn't know about it because he had just gotten this email. Um, he had gotten an email from a guy, a fisherman who used to fish at LBL back in the seventies. And one day he was fishing and he was out and there, he saw this tent and there was a, a creature like literally getting ready to go inside the tent. And this couple came out. So when the creature literally lunged at them, pulled them both to the ground and started to tear them up, maul them, the guy literally, it was so terrifying because you can hear the screams that this creature was making alongside the victims that he was, this creature was killing. That it, literally the guy urinated in his pants and he was frozen in terror. He moved out of that sector uh, where it happened and waited a few hours before he can get to a better type of better, like dirt land so he can just run to his car where he parked. And he even said, he was like, I- I'm never, ever, I never went back there since. I refuse to. That place is filled. There's something out there that can kill anything or anybody. And it's traumatized him to this day. And there's also been small reports of uh, people who uh, who live there that a creature tried getting into the house through the little doggy pound, little doggy door that they have, and it tried to get into the house. There was another report that a dog, broke the door down and tried to go after this family, but the husband got home, and then the creature just left. And then we transitioned to the infamous LBL murders, which was a huge, huge thing with uh, the Dogman world because this was one of what would we would consider one of the most deadliest, tragic events. Um, so what happened was, was that there was this family that was camping, and it was in the eighties and it was uh, a family of four, two kids, one girl, one boy, and they were just camping. And the next day, there were these two tourists or other campers who were in the area, but they, they weren't, they were asleep when all that carnage happened. There's, there's a couple of different variations of the story, but I'm going with the one that's the most authentic. And, the campers, they, they they saw this campsite. It was torn apart. It was destroyed. There was blood everywhere. the the child the child the boy was brutally mutilated. The parents were brutally torched and mutilated as well. Uh, and you know they they were so shake shook by what happened. They called the local sheriffs and said, "Look, we can't be here. We got to go. But I'm going to give you the address. There's something you got to go see." The cops end up going to the area where this all took place. And the cops, you know, the first reaction to these, sh- these two sheriffs when they got to the scene, it was complete disarray. They were torn up. They were uh, completely, one vomited. He was so sick from it. He, one, the other guy was just shocked and was upset. They went inside to check the RV. The RV was trashed and torn apart, blood everywhere. And they knew that there was a little girl because they found a dress. So the sheriffs ended up doing a little bit of a a hunt, hoping that this girl was somewhat still alive and anywhere. And uh, about a couple yards, uh, uh, one of the sheriffs found was having something dripping on his uh, hat, and it was blood. And there was a little girl on top of this tree branch torn apart. And the local, they eventually, when they got back and was going to call it in for a forensics team, the feds ended up coming in and the feds ended up, you know, telling these two sheriffs, you got to get out of here. You guys got to go. They sent in six different coroners from six different counties to come in and to do this cleanup. And the National Guard was there. They were blocking everything off for LBL that day. The park rangers even knew about it, too. but They were told to be shush, shush on it. And then there was a story that they had left after the sheriffs left. I guess they went back to the site that night to check it out, see what they did. And then on dispatch, there was one of the, uh, and I, this is, like I said, this is the variation story. This is the one that everyone knows. Uh, according to this, this, this radio, uh, they sent in an elite crew to try to, dis, to like, disarm this creature. And they said on the radio that this the creature has been dispatched and was killed. Now, either they took the body or the preacher was just wounded and was able to get out and survive and run it back into the wilderness. It's one thing. But the sheriff, the one sheriff who told the story, who came out about it, he ended up retiring not too long after that incident. And he's been the only one, according to what we know, is the only one that will talk about it. The other sheriff is, you know, so he's we don't know if he's alive. We don't know where if he's still on the force. And Jody Cook collected all his information back when he was starting his LBL investigation because of all the carnage that was going on in that area. And that incident never made no news. It was completely black boxed. You didn't find anything about anything like that in the newspapers, the local news, radio. And the only other thing would be from uh, my biggest question, and this is to this day, is, you know, well, I wonder what happened to the family of those that got, uh, of who related to the family that got mauled. They you have you don't hear nothing from them. It's just like you know they were shunned out and told to keep quiet and leave it alone, and were told a BS story most likely to say, "Oh yeah, they just disappeared. They went away." You know they were they said they were camping LBL, we didn't find nobody because they didn't want to. You know, for that type of information to be released to the public like that is like having a brutal argument with the in-laws on certain things. It's one of those subjects you just can't go too deep into to leave it alone. You know, there was a missing Bowman in the area too and this was a couple decades later. The Bowman left um his house in LBL told his wife he'd be back in uh, on a Sunday night. So this was Friday night and he left and next thing you know he didn't come back home Sunday night, so his parents, his family called the authorities and said, look, my husband, he said he was going to be back tonight. He never did. And now uh, police were involved, and they found the tent. The tent was a little torn up, a little bit of blood. They found a couple arrows snapped in half, but there was no body. So they didn't find him until maybe Wednesday or Thursday and they found the body completely mauled, torn to shreds, like the lb like the family, and the two campers you know the, 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 it was just a complete disarray, like everything was all over the place and you know what you see what they were seeing was something you would see at a fictitious movie on monster movies when this happened in real life. Now, there was a family member who was related to this victim, and even the family members who of this victim. Like though I think it was the wife, she was trying to get a hold of this coroner who works for the, um, not say government, but works for the county and tried to tell him, like, look, can you tell us what really happened to him? And he said to her in the serious, most deepest tone, you've got to leave this alone, and that's final. And that's enough information right there to say that, oh, yeah, there's something definitely being covered up. But Land Between the Lakes is definitely one of those places, Dave, that really is a frightening and terrifying place to be. You know, you wouldn't want to give me $50 million to spend a night there without me crapping my pants and hoping to God I don't get killed. Because, you know, it's just such a brutal and sad place for what goes on there.
4: It sounds very, very dark. Very dark. Terrible. But it moves on. Getting back to Dogman for a second, Robert down in Australia has a question. He says, with little evidence on the creatures, has there been a scientific classification made for them, such as Canis hominid or something along those lines?
7: Well, that also goes back to uh, evidence, too. Um, you know, there are local people who have evidence, and when they collect, like, hair samples or a uh, scratch, and when they send it to a doctor or the forensics, and they'll take a look at it, and they they classify it almost like an unknown animal or unknown canine. So there is definitely a record on there that states that it is a canine, but they don't want to go too deep and say, oh, it was a werewolf, because if you think about the previous conversation we had about uh, government cover-up, you know, you can't just, and then some evidence even doesn't get, sent back. Some evidence says, oh, we didn't get the evidence because the DNA results came back with the canine attributes. And with LBL, apparently, the forensics picked up a claw. And, you know, those, those pieces of evidence are, are kept hidden black box. So there definitely is a file on Dogman if you are a government official and you know about it and you work for the government and you look into that stuff. But it's on the hush classified information because of the idea that, you know, you let this out public, you know, it's going to become, uh, it's, it's going to, come, anarchy is going to take place. But yeah, there is a file on dogmen, same thing with Sasquatch too, on these, uh, on file of dogmen having evidence swapped in there and a file dedicated straight towards that creature because they know about it. And it's it's right there. It's, it's you know, it's basic, simple-minded like that.
4: Do you think we are getting any closer to actually solving any of these mysteries on whether or not these creatures truly exist? People want a body. I mean, people will not be satisfied unless we have a body.
7: Well, that's the same argument that could be addressed towards a Sasquatch body. I mean you know, there was a couple people that were close with it about a couple uh, about maybe a decade ago when they found a Bigfoot body in a cooler, but it was confirmed hopes. It took a body apart and, you know, threw on an ape suit and put in some uh, garbage bags and entrails to make it look like it was a legit Bigfoot and fooled a lot of people, made a lot of money off of it as well. But, you know, when you – there are, I believe, and I don't well, – I was trying to think without giving out the answer that's not – I'm trying to make it sound like it doesn't make sense, but, but – um It's the idea that, you know, if there is someone who's most likely taking a photo of a body or someone who is part of a group that are sent out to take care of dogmen, like hunters, bounty hunters, you know, they have bodies, but they're not going to actually tell the public, uh, either they're not going to tell the public or someone else is telling them not to share it because of whatever the case may be, whether it's government um, involvement or it's just simply... They don't want any controversy surrounding the other dogmen who can sense them and track them down and create an, a, a full spill of chaos. You don't, you do not want that in your household ever.
4: You mentioned in the hour, first hour, about hunters who have shot at this creature, put numerous bullets in this creature that would kill a bear. And yet this thing doesn't drop. This thing doesn't seem to die. Give us a couple of stories, if you wouldn't mind, of stories you've heard regarding this.
7: Well, there's one story. Um, it was also, I believe, Vic Cundis' first actual episode of Dogman Encounters. He had two guys come on the show, and they, they told how they shot at this creature. And uh, when they got around to it, like when they took a look, they found the blood. But the creature was gone, and there's been a couple other stories of them trying. Uh, some people went out and, you know, tried to go and hunt for this thing and fired a couple rounds, and this thing still stood up and was like looking at them, like, yeah, but I didn't feel anything. What, what do you got that's going to take me down next? Unless you are certified to carry a bazooka in the um, in your weapons tier, or if you place an LED, if you can find one, you know. The way of taking a creature down like this is, it's the only way I would see how this creature would be able to be totally de- defeated. And, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I've watched enough of uh, Rambo to get an idea on how to survive in the wilderness. But, I mean, if someone was that gnarled, like had the guts to go up to one with a knife and foot its throat, it wouldn't, I mean, it most likely would kill it. I mean, but when it comes to bullets or something, there's definitely, it, it's like... It takes a lot. It's like it has an adrenaline rush system. But I don't want to sound too crazy about it because, you know, there are ones that they shoot at them and they somehow still survive. And how they do, it's unknown. Some people rank them up as a classified supernatural type dog, man. But, I mean, if you look at it from my other standpoint, it could be anything. You know, it could be a huge, huge, big hit and miss with um, – what goes on with how they can fire one. You know, uh, somebody can go out and pick up the best sniper rifle in town and, you know, fire a shot at it, and you know, it still won't hit the creature, and if people want to hit it in the head, I mean, it could work. Who knows? I mean, the the, the number one weak spot for someone to survive not survive a gunshot is the head, and you know, there's no stories about that, but uh, there are stories about people who bought, like, highly advanced rifles. rifles, uh, none that were close to what the government has, but close enough to the point where you can keep it and be certified to have it. But, you know, there are definitely stories out there of them firing rounds at these creatures, and they still, they're still, for some reason, they're still alive. And it's like, but when you go ahead and you shoot a regular Sasquatch, you know, it takes a couple hits, and, it, and it, like, it cries, and it dies, literally. But that just goes to show you kind of like the strength and how strong and how crazy these creatures can get. You know, there's even been reports of, um, you know, if what if, like, you know, there were to be, like, a nuclear war, how, if these creatures would actually survive it. Because, you know, they, if they could survive, if we, from the biggest point of what I've been told, they've been around for a long time, even before uh, the Renaissance. So, you know, it just goes to show you if a creature with that type of life expansion can survive so long and have taken enough damage, it doesn't surprise me if they can survive, you know, uh, a gunshot or and it depends on who, how your, um, what type of gun it is, too. Now, if there were to be silver bullets, if there were like legit silver bullets, that's one thing. And going back into the werewolf discussion real quick, you know, I mean, I've never had a report of somebody coming out, saying they shot with a silver bullet, but if they did, I would want to know, well, if it does work, then that's how you kill one. A silver bullet, well, is that what it would generally take? If that's the case, then, you know, I think that sums up the question in a full context. But since there's no info about silver bullets, we're not exactly sure how because, again, You know, all the stories we get, you know, when people say they shoot one, you know, and they all come back out saying, oh, yeah, it just, you know, got pissed at us, chased us out, but it wasn't dead.
4: So some of these people who have shot at this creature, what did they hear? What was the reaction from the creature when they shot it?
7: Well, there were some reports. And Jody Cook had uh, spoke to a guy at a convention about it because he was part of a special ops team in South America. That apparently these creatures had like over there, but you know in South America that there's enough supernatural, enough terror that can really put you one foot in a dangerous position. And he was saying how like they fired at one and one went down and one began to loud as terrifying howl like the howl that like you know you hear out of like you know a movie one howled like the one from american werewolf in london one howled like a woman getting stabbed 18 times and you know it's it's basically the, the death cries now whether or not this special ops team had silver bullets or they were just uh with how, with their aim they shot in the head or something or got them in the heart even You know, these creatures let out a scream that, you know, you never want to ever hear. It'll give you severe PTSD.
4: I understand that, but what was the reaction from the creature? Was it howling? Was it screaming? Did it growl and get a little bit upset, like... Explain to us. Oh, yeah,
7: it, it howled. It howled, screamed, and got upset. One got up and tried to get lunch at them again until they fired another round. And the same scream, the scream echoed to the point where even you can hear that if you're like about maybe four miles away, you could hear that scream cover the entire wilderness. That's how loud and that's how strong their vocal cords are, especially when they're, in, uh, when they're shot or in a battle. You know, if if a a dog man is fighting with another dog man, you know their screams are violent and vicious. If you even hear some of those screams on the NADP website under the evidence uh, files, because you can hear some of their screams, and it just it makes your jaw like your 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 heart stops when you hear it. Is basically what I'm trying to say.
4: I've heard Bigfoot. I know what Bigfoot sounds like and the, the sound of a cry slash roar at the exact same time was absolutely chest-pumping for us. There were four of us who heard it. Is Dogman's howl or scream exactly the same time or same thing? Well, some of them are.
7: Um, like I said, you know, some of them, there was a, a couple of reports of people in the United Kingdom who and how ironic lived in the area where American werewolf in London was filmed. And you know, they've whether they were just saying it because of the movie or because of the background of where they live. And in general, there was a couple of kids that were going for a walk to local library one day and they cut through the woods and they heard this ungrateful howl and they watched it after this American werewolf movie and they were like, that howl is so similar. So they definitely have a similar, like, they have a much more aggressive howl compared to the average wolf. I, I, to describe it, really, it's like, you know, if you mix together stabbing somebody who's screaming dear life and putting in a, a dog, a, like a regular dog howl, it's the combination of those two. It's it just, it's gut-wrenching. It makes you want to just, like, crack your pants and just, in shock because it's just so strong and loud. So when it comes to their vocals on how they are, that's definite right there.
4: Have you ever come across any reports from people who have had an encounter with both Dogman and Sasquatch at the same time?
7: You know, it's interesting because there is actually a a guy who apparently saw a small conversation between a Sasquatch and a dogman. Now, in this conversation, they, they didn't know what the hell they were talking about, but uh, when it comes to uh, communication and hanging out with one, yeah, I mean, some of the ones that run in the packs, you know, they might say, th- there might be a Sasquatch group on one side of the end who's just, you know, enjoying their average, you know, wilderness day. And There's another pack of dogmen who are around the area, too, but they respect each other's territories because, you know, the thing with them is that they don't like... It's not that they don't like each other. It's just that, you know, they don't cause any, like, involvement of, like, you know, confrontations. They respect certain parts of their land. And if one does get into a fight, you know, if you get a red-eyed Sasquatch, a muscular and vicious Sasquatch, and a vicious dogman in a fight, yeah, it's going to be a war. There was also a report of uh, a story from another guy that apparently saw a Sasquatch gang and a dogman gang, is how he put it, at war with each other, throwing rocks, screaming, and creating a whole army of a whole uh, inch of anarchy because it was just so intense that these two creatures, two mythical cryptids fighting at each other for unknown reasons, so when it comes to those sasquatch and dogman contact, absolutely. But guarantee though that female dogmen with female sasquatch, it's like you know two girlfriends, you know, enjoying lunch or something. They're actually you know there's not there's not a much there's not a lot of aggressiveness when it comes to the females, mostly coming towards the male dogmen. And the same rules apply to juveniles. A juvenile playing with a juvenile sasquatch, you know, you're definitely going to get yourself an interesting few it, it's supposed to be cute and nice but at the same time you're in a territory where there's two of them and if you mess around too much it's going to end up being a, a sad it's, it's not going to end well so they have been all they've been seen together they've been spoken with together so they, they definitely have their moments they're they're all there it, it's important just note that because it's actually it happens
4: how have you been able to learn about the attitudes and 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 performances, I guess, for lack of a better term, of female dogmen around female Sasquatch and female, or in children of the creatures as well, playing together like it's a a park and the mothers are sitting around on the bench having coffee watching the kids go on the merry-go-round.
7: Well, you know what, and that's also pretty interesting to note too, you know, female Sasquatch with young be as aggressive as a human mom as a human being with a mom and her child you know you you don't see these creatures going to the mall and shopping you you, you know they're they're doing their daily routine they're with their mates and they're with their their babies and they're just you know they're making things they're carving a new um structure or this and that but they get along perfectly fine i mean you know i've never heard of a report of a of a female or a male dog Female dogman or a female Sasquatch ever fighting? Only if it was to the point where none of them liked each other, then that's one thing. So it's kind of hard to say for sure, especially since they, since female dogmen don't tend to be out as much as the males. There was a report of a guy who, when he was in the Boy Scouts, uh, went was go get something out of the tent, and this creature licked him, and you know the mom was right there eyeballing him saying you don't make a move on my kid and he was even a kid himself when this happened but when it came to a female Sasquatch and one person looking at her baby you know full mom mode went on and was like yeah you're not touching my kid you know I'll kill you if you it's like the mama bear thing but I think a relationship for those two are perfect you know there's no major strings being pulled between those two And, you know, as long as they are around, it's, you know, it's a relationship that won't be broken. I mean, of course, you know, they, they, the way they talk and communicate is different from our type of speech. But, you know, I would never, ever want to be stepped into a territory with two angry females. And that's also in human being, also being a human being, you don't ever want to see a cat fight. But if you see like that go down in the wilderness, then, you know, it's going to be bad. Because, you know, the females might be, you know, younger, like not younger, but like uh, not, not as a hunter of a, like a dog man or a big fur, not like a male, but they could fight. And they got the strength to also take down anybody or anything. It, it's because it's in their instinct. It's how they are. It's how they, when they were born, they learn. It's like a typical wild animal.
4: We only got about 90 seconds here before we got to go to our second break of the night. Do you believe that the legend of Dogman is really starting to take over from the legend of Sasquatch in popularity?
7: Absolutely. In the past five years, because I took a hiatus from all this stuff in the past five years. Uh, well, back in 2010, when the Gable film was declared a fake, I uh, took a break from uh, Dogman world because there wasn't enough resources so then uh, I jumpstart to, to 2015, you see Vic's show, you see new books, you see the NADP. So I think now, and it also helps that with the Facebook social media groups, we have more people coming in now, and you combine all those group members together, counting my group and then a couple of dog band groups, you have about close to about 125,000 estimate coming into this group. And eight, 95% of them are eyewitnesses. And researchers and the other 5% are people who find an interest. And so, yeah, I think so in the past five, the past decade and a half in technology with laptops and computers, I definitely, it's evolved. I think it's getting closer to being the number one hottest topic cryptid. And besides Sasquatch, it's up there.
4: And on that note, I'm going to get you to hold on here for just a couple of minutes, Chris, because we are going to hop out for our final break of the night here on Spaced Out Radio. Chris Edge is our guest. We're talking everything Dogman. We're going to mix in some Dogman and Bigfoot for our number three as well. Cass and Carr, thank you for listening into Spaced Out Radio for the first time. I appreciate you sisters checking us out. It's a lot of fun having the newbies come around and learn what we do on a nightly basis. Thank you so much for letting us earn your listening ears. And to all all of you who are listening in for the first time as well, don't forget, during the break, check out the Caribou Paracon, first annual Spaced Out Radio Paracon, September 29th to October 1st. Head to spacedoutradio.com to check it out today because we all want you up in British Columbia for that weekend. you got to join us. It's going to be one hell of a party I know that. I'm going to be there. Others are going to be there. And maybe Carl the Alien will show up as well. Carl, you better not stand us up. More Dogman and Bigfoot talk on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there. This is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
1: The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away.
3: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers, and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
7: Hi there. I'm Butch Wachowski, lead investigator with E4COP. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries, so tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days.
3: This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, two mediums and a large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love. Relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com.
8: This is Eric Markham, news editor for the Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top quality paranormal stories. From alien encounters to the latest conspiracies, you won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The encounter online only at spacedoutradio.com.
5: Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com.
3: Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience.
6: Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio spacedoutradio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website including social media, from commercial spots to banners. We have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today.
3: Don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today.
2: Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com.
0: And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program.
4: Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Great to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the program, Elizabeth April is back. Elizabeth is one of our newest connections as a monthly feature on this show, dealing with all things spiritual. I highly suggest you check in. And check her out because she's got a brilliant mind when it comes to connecting with yourself. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We are also live on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in noon in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. Thank you so much for letting us. Must be part of your nighttime entertainment. We are also live on KTLK, the Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, phalliciloquence. Fellow is your password, Space Travelers. Make sure you use it wisely because Bill sets the password each and every night right here on the mighty SOR. And Bill, you look good in that Spaced Out Radio t-shirt. I just need a picture of it. So make sure you get me that one. I would appreciate it. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to connect with me live during the show as well. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. And our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you. You can listen to some great music by Bumblefoot, our resident guitar god you can also sign up for the sor space travelers club for only five bucks a month you can check out our brand new store has t-shirts posters stickers soon to be carl the alien head candles and if you're thinking about a weekend getaway, pick up a VIP pass to the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon held September 29th to October 1st at beautiful 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia, the home of SOR and Spruce Hills Resort and Spa. We'd love to see all of you there, so make sure you check it out and get your tickets today because we're offering a 10% discount until July 31st. We also have the Encounter Online which is our news section put together by Eric Markham and Everett Themers, give you some quality reading into the paranormal as well. Tonight we've been talking cryptids all night. We've been talking about Dogman. We're going to mix in a little bit of Bigfoot as well with researcher, investigator, and online radio show host Chris Edge. Chris, welcome back, and thank you for going the distance tonight. No problem, bud. Glad to be here. You mentioned the Gable film in the last hour. Oh, yeah, tell us about that <laughs> Tell us about that film. Break it down for us.
7: okay, well, this film's been discussed millions of times, and everybody has an opinion on it. My opinion on it is the same opinion as a group of friends who I've befriended over the subject. Um, basically, there's two stories. The first story is is that in two thousand four, a woman picked this up from an estate sale in Michigan. It was in one of those typical. Like you know, free for alls, paid like two bucks for it, and it and t- inside it contained an eight millimeter film reel called Gable. So she went to the local library because she didn't have one and saw if they had one themselves and borrowed it. Brought it back home, hooked it up, put it on, and then the film was uh, two and a half minutes long, of well, not three and a half minutes long, but two and a half minutes. The first portion is just you know your basic family doing um, audiences. Uh, just, you know, family time, you know, cutting wood, uh, snowmobiles, uh, guy in the spring is working on his truck. And then the last half, like a minute and a half of that film, there is this camera changes and goes to this creature that they spot in the ditch. The cameraman, who's the trucker, takes that camera and chases this creature into the woods. Now, the creature... Looks at him for about a nice 10 second stare down. The creature just lunges right after this guy and, and the creature, the, the, like, the last shot we get of it is the creature's mouth attacks the camera. The camera flies somewhere in the bushes. Uh, a police investigation, there was a part two called Gable Film Two, which was a cleanup of the, uh, attack. They show in the second film a half mutilated body of a guy and the camera where the, uh, where it landed following, uh, the attack. So it's been a very big controversial debated film. Uh, the woman who saw that video who had bought the, uh, 8mm, uh, projector has refused to say anything. And then there's the other story with Steve Cook, who is the disc jockey for the, uh, Michigan Dogman, uh, the song, who said that he got it from, uh, a local guy by the name of Mike Adrusa and send it to his website to get some views on YouTube, saying, look, check this out, look what we made. And then MonsterQuest did an episode on it as their series finale back in April 2010, and Linda Godfrey was on it, Steve Cook was on it. They interviewed the guy for five minutes who hoaxed the video, explaining how he did a dick on a ghillie suit and how he was able to run doing parkour. And he basically made uh, dug a hole for the second video and put, um, stuff, some foam and, uh, some red dye, like fake blood as the entrail and put him, put his body inside this hole to make it look like he was torn apart, torn in half. So there's a lot of debate over that film. And it's been a big debate for us in the groups because, you know, it's a very popular film. Don't get me wrong, Dave. It's a big one. It's probably one of the most best films out there since the Patterson Gilman film.
4: The camera work is a little shoddy, but I mean, let's face it, technology wasn't as strong as it was there before. The one thing that I don't understand about the Gable film is they're in a truck. They're in a truck when they spot the creature. Okay, like, how how all of a sudden does this creature all of a sudden get to them? Did they get out of the truck? Is that what happened? Well, what
7: happened was, was that, and this is where people would say the part of where the stage portion of the video comes in, is that they were, uh, dr- the cameraman was driving to the passenger side. You can actually see a kid, uh, point the camera at the rear at the rear view mirror and you could basically see him for a brief, uh, half a second and he turns back to the woods. Now there's an extended piece of footage of that on YouTube. I'm subscribed to the guy who said he hoaxed the whole thing and he did an extension of that and it had, it basically was more footage of the creature in the ditch, how they saw it, how it was getting up on on twos, and bipedal and was walking around and then the cameraman told the uh, kid was like, look, I'll go follow this thing, just stay here and chases him around, he's in the deep portion of the woods and then the creature just goes ahead and, and basically the rest is history, you know the charging and the attack but you know I don't know where your standpoint is with that film, but um, me and a lot of other people—we've not argued—but we would just say there's a little bit more to that film as a story. There's a little bit more to it than what five minutes of of a television show
4: said doesn't automatically
7: assume that it's you know a legit hoax.
4: I'll be honest with you. I'm watching it right now, and I watched the 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 beginning version or the, the, the regular speed version, and then the slow motion version. And I can say that that's a lot of room to cover for a guy running on all fours. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and And that, and, and that would confuse me, but, but on the flip side, you know, we hear so many reports that it has been proven fake. Do you think at any point before that actually made its way public that it was edited or sped up at all?
7: Well, I'm going to give you two opinions, and this is going towards those who think it's a hoax, and they you know think because of what a five minute ending to a show said, and what researchers who were popular said uh was legitimate. And then I'm going to give you a researcher's point of view on what some uh, some of us of what we've discovered. Um, You know, and I'm not bashing no researcher. I have a lot of respect for Linda. I have a lot of respect for Vic. I have a lot of respect for Jody. All the researchers I've befriended, who we've debated over this film with, I have a lot of respect for. But, you know, when you go on a reality television show and say, to make sure this episode's interesting why not make it a hoax and say it's hoax and take the money and deposit it into the bank account on Monday and just go along with it? Because I've noticed that since this film has been declared a hoax, I wonder what happened to this guy that did the hoax. You don't find him anywhere. I, I have him on my YouTube, but it was hard to find him. He was like gone for a while and it's like he vanished. And it's like either for witness protection or there's something more to it. Maybe they were reenacting what the episode, what happened was the hoax. Because when I look at that video, Dave, I look at that video left and right. I play it backwards. I play it in reverse. It almost looks like right before he's about to go after the cameraman, it looks like the the creature is shape-shifting. And it has like, uh, like that, Attribute like it looks like a giant gorilla at first, but then it starts to shape shift and kind of thins out. But may and this is without looking at the enhanced version. So, you know, it makes me scrubble my mind by saying, you know, I mean, if you tell this to the public and you know, it's confirmed a hoax and that's the end of the story, why is it that you know. Where, if it's already been confirmed a hoax, what happened to the guy who did the hoax? Where is has he been? Where has his family been? Who helped him shoot the video? There's more to the story that you know. After seven years of being called a hoax, you know, what happened to the family least, of these of these people? More importantly, were they, what like, did government get involved? Were there was a shun out? I mean, it, it's hard to explain when you're when you weren't there to witness it, but. I, I have a strong temptation with believing that footage was legit because, you know, uh, I was originally, this was basically the main reason why I stopped doing my research after five years was because I was like, I can't believe that they say this is fake. That looks so real to me. And then I come back and I look at it and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I look at it again. I'm like, you know, this creature doesn't look like it's a normal human being running on all fours. I mean, yeah. You can give the nicest and most proactive athlete, give an athlete, you know, who can do parkour and can run, put on a couple planks with him. But when he starts to charge at the cameraman, that's where my problem gets sunk in. Because it's like, you know, it's no athlete can, like, bury their hands and go running around on the ground and still go in full throttle without injuring themselves, whether they they hit a rock or a pine cone, this creature just doesn't, like, he doesn't even get injured. You know, it just keeps running and running and running. If a human being can reenact that, and if he has protected pads or what, it still doesn't clear a fact. Because there's so much covered up about that film that I have a strong feeling that this film is still a legitimate. And, I mean, I know for some people who... Have been fans of Linda and Vic for the longest time. Don't take it the wrong way. Uh, it's just my opinion. I mean, I just feel that there's a little bit more to the story than it being what five minutes of a Monster Quest episode told me.
4: See, I look at the Patterson Gimlin film, which we can compare it to, and I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is real. And there is, there is one piece of information on there that absolutely convinces me that the Patterson-Gimlin film is legit. Okay, now I'm looking at things as a little bit different than a lot of people may. I don't have as skeptical a mind considering I have seen Sasquatch. I've seen two of the creatures. I've heard it. I've seen with my own eyes footprints in the ground. So I am a firm believer that Sasquatch is real. But the one thing that I always state about the Patterson Gimlin film, if it was faked, no one especially in the 1960s, okay, is going to is going to rent a suit because we knew Patterson and Gimlin were not wealthy people. They weren't even middle class type people. Okay? And no one is going to rent a suit and mm-hmm. so and sew a pair of breasts on it. And if you look oh, at that what? and if you look at this Patterson Gimlin film, that is a female Sasquatch, and when you slow it down, you can see the movement of the breasts. And that's what makes that film real to me. What do you think?
7: And you know what too, the Gabe, not the Gabe, <laughs> the Patterson Gilman film. To me, you know, you know what's funny, Dave. You know how many times they said, "Oh, that was a hoax," or "This was that was bull." Or, that was a guy in a suit, and they had somebody come out and say, "Oh, yeah, it was me in the suit." But then, if they say, "Oh, the film is now legit again because they discovered a new discovery with the way it moves," and it's funny how you brought up that whole thing about being it being a female fast watch because I had an argument with a another researcher who told me that, "Oh no, that, you know, that's a male," and then I. I Literally, how you learned about what it was female when you saw the breaths, I slowed the footage down on my 60-inch screen, and I said to him, Look, do you see breasts over there? Those are breaths. More importantly, the way the creature's moving in a certain posture, no other primate in that kingdom will be walking and maneuvering like that. Um, that The same rules apply. You know, another good piece of footage is the, uh, the Paul Freeman footage from 92. The one where he was in the film and he saw the tracks and he saw like a family of them. And, you know, that was a little bit more up close. But, you know, for the Patterson-Gilman film, that's to me a legit video of a Sasquatch. And you had said that, and it, uh, it's even been said too, I believe Patterson and Gilman, you know, they came out and done an interval. Well, Patterson says he, he passed away in 72, but Gilman's still alive. And he, he even said, he's like, look, I mean, you know, we, we're not wealthy, we're poor. You know, we couldn't afford a gorilla suit. And back then, gorilla suits were only, like, never even Halloween costumes. They were used for movie props, like Planet of the Apes and Schlock and all that. So, you know, for them to hoax that off of their life savings, and, you know, back then $20 was like $80 today. Um, You know, I just just have to tell the skeptics sometimes. I'm like, look, you know, Mm. you're getting paid to do that go right ahead but you know you're not going to tell me because of what you believe is hoax because that's your opinion but what i see in this video is a real sasquatch walking
4: Mm. i'm going to ask you to move your phone away from your microphone because the buzzing is is coming through quite loudly so i'm assuming sorry Sorry. i'm assuming somebody is texting you hey man i hear you on the radio it's kind of cool. You
7: <laughs> yeah, know. They, uh, they they get they get interesting sometimes. They get they, you know,
4: no. But sorry about that, though. But oh, no worries, no worries. It's not your fault, not your fault at all. Hey, when it comes to Patterson Gimlin film, they really didn't have a reason to fake what they found. Not at all. There was no video footage of dogman. And to me, I you know, I scour YouTube much like everybody else and I realize you have to patrol YouTube with a very skeptical eye, very skeptical eye. And I haven't found a dogman video that that even comes close to what the Patterson Gimlin film is. I'm you know, I'm still not sure about the Gable film and I've seen it numerous times in regards to that. Why do you think with so much technology out there, we are having so much trouble getting an actual film?
7: Well, for that one, I have three reasons exactly. Uh, The first reason is, and it goes back to government, um, it's basically like, you know, if there is a real piece of footage, such as like the Gable film, for example. Why is it that, you know, there's so much more footage? Now, Vic came on my show Thursday and told me this story. And he had said that he had gotten a piece of footage, but he won't release it with, because it's through their consent. But released it and told it, showed it to Vic and said on this game cam that there was this creature, this dogman-like creature, that got up and was on the trail cam and it was doing something. And it was... You know, they didn't release it to anything with the public. I mean, it's very easy to capture a nice HD photograph of one if you're willing to go out and release it to the public. But, you know, that's the other problem, too, with these fields is because, you know, people are afraid that, you know, you release something so authentic like this, the government will get involved, they'll tap your phones, they'll follow you around, you know, you'll be getting mysterious um, phone calls at night and stuff like that with unknown numbers. So that's like the propaganda that gets thrown into it because of the truth. Now, the second portion is, is that, you know, when it comes to one of our biggest problems in our field and you've probably heard of him, his name's Butchy Kid and he's funny as hell. He, you know, he's a Bigfoot, he's a a mockumentary, and he's a, he's a film guy and he's, you know, and this also goes with a whole bunch of uh, fake videos of Bigfoot You know, like, you know, you make a video that says in the title of the description on YouTube, authentic Bigfoot evidence, 100% real, no lie. They click the video, it's clickbait. Next thing you know, there's this creature that literally wearing a gorilla suit and right in front of us in the point eye, and it's just making a mockery out of what we do as researchers. So... That's another reason why when it comes to big evidence, it's not going to get put out there because, you know, some people are afraid of posting real evidence because they don't want to end up being told that it's a bunch of bull because people watch all the other crap that's legitimately hoaxed. And it's just like, well, my chances of that being put out are not going to happen because of the idea that these other guys are having encounters and it's hard to explain without having a nice audience sit there and understand that we're not here to hoax things, I have nice HD footage of a, of a dog man or a Bigfoot. You know, that that's like the boss man phenomenon in Chicago at the moment. You know, people are snapping photos left and right of this creature, but, you know, you show it to somebody and it's like, oh, well, someone could Photoshop that in an instinct, you know? And, and then the third and final reason is simply because some people, they just, like, it's back to the whole privacy thing. Like, they respect these creatures. They don't want to have, like, show these creatures, you know, the, what they've caught. It's a respect thing. I know it's for some they disagree with that, including myself. Because if you're going to have real-life, legit evidence, even if you don't share it to the public, maybe share it to some researchers who do this stuff and take, to have them take a look at it. Because it's, you know, any real footage like that is perfect. And, you know, that's enough evidence to me that would say that we now have an official glimpse of a creature. And that's the other part too, is trying to debunk this stuff when it comes to you know, telling all the disbelievers, like, there's footage and this and that, but then when you have the people who have the pareidolia and snap the photographs of trees and twigs, you know, how are you going to explain that to a skeptic when all they have to say, and it's right, they only see trees and bushes, and then that really breaks the field down into ridicule and mockery because no one out there who has real evidence is going to post it to the World Wide Web for not just government purposes, but because of the idea of ridicule.
4: Do you think at times that we are trying too hard to debunk rather than trying to look for evidence of whether or not the film is real? Because there is a big difference between the two.
7: Well, you know, you you look at uh, the film, you look at, uh, for example, like we spoke about it briefly with the Patterson film. You know, you look how many times these, like, legitimately... Professional Photoshop and, uh, video analysts have come out and they've said that this film is a legitimate, but then you got another side of people coming out saying it's a hoax and this and that, and then they close the case, make a big press conference on it, and then a few years go by, up oh, or reopening the Paris in case we found a new discovery, this is not a hoax, this is a legitimate. It's an on-and-off situation, and that's what really breaks the fields between between cryptozoology with Dogman and Bigfoot, especially those two, because, you know, the uh, the public, including myself, wants to see real evidence, That wants to see a creature such as a Dogman not have a blurred photograph, but an authentic picture, which I want to ask you real quick, too, Dave. Are you familiar with the Onaway photo?
4: Onaway photo? No, I'm not.
7: Okay, well, if you want, when you get a chance after this episode, you should go ahead and take a look at the Onaway photo. That, to me, is the most authentic and clearest photograph as of now. It's 2017. This was taking place 13 years ago. This photo was shot of a dog man. It has. You could see it. It kind of looks like a bit of a panther, but you could tell. You could see the difference in it. You know I'm not going to give out the backstory story because it's basically kid took a photograph in the back seat and saw this creatures through the uh, reflectors, so it's a pretty good photograph though you should actually take a look at it I mean, i'm at, i'm actually look
4: at loo- I'm actually looking at it right now to me that looks like a tiger coming over a fence
7: that's what I thought too at first, but then sorry uh uh you know people began to like point out well, look at the um Look at the ears. You see the ears, and you see the black. I mean the reflection, but I mean, and then people were going as far back as saying, "Oh, look at the look at the scout on that thing," and I mean it's been some a lot of people who've done Photoshop experts, all of them have all came out and said that it was an authentic Dogman piece. But then again, too, you know, when I look at that photograph, I do see something that isn't, a, like, in anywhere of the lines of a tiger or a panther, but it could be, but it, does, it just, by the way it looks, by the way I can see it, it just doesn't seem to me like there is a, a you know, like a creature in that photograph that is, a, it is indeed an unknown canine. That's looking right into this photo, but it, you know who knows. I mean, it's a good little science experiment to try if you want to kind of reenact it and see if you get the results like a MythBuster. But I mean, that's just another example of like trying to find concrete evidence out there that no one's going to look like a pub, put out to the public for unknown reasons, and it makes our jobs ten times more complicated.
4: I don't know about this one. I'm more skeptical about this one. Than I am about the Gable film. This right. one and this, that's normal. The, everyone, everyone. Yeah. this one to me could be so many different things. Like it could. It, it looks like a half body being held up by some sort of pole. It could be a tiger. It could be a stuffed animal. Uh, to me, it looks more like a cat than a dog-like creature. Just looking right. at at the snout and the way the hair on the cheeks goes. So, you know. I, I'm not buying this one. You know, I, I think it's, I don't know. It just does not seem real to me whatsoever. And that's perfectly okay.
7: Everybody has an opinion on Absolutely. it. You know? I Absolutely. Mean, know, there's
4: no, no arguments at all. And you know what,
7: too? you know, we For some of us, we made a little joke. We were like really? the on-away mascot got so drunk and hung over from the party that he ended up leaving. And he, that's where he got his photo taken, right off that... Um, harsh because he was but he was so drunk and it knocked out that he didn't even know that he was getting his photo taken so we make a little joke there and there about it because it does look like a cat or a tiger it does
5: mm-hmm. you know
7: it, it, you could see it um, real quick uh, if you wouldn't happen has anybody ever submitted a question or, or anything or it's pretty
4: no no, it, it, I think when it comes to this photo, I mean, th- and that's you know what this photo here of of the on away dogman photo to me it this exudes exactly what we see as to why people aren't believing what we correct what we do, you know. I mean, there's. It's a good photo, but what is it a photo of? I mean that's that's the reality of it. What is it a photo of? And I highly suggest just Google on away dog band photo. On away is O-N-A-W-A-Y. so On Away Dog Band Photo and and go to Google Images and it'll pop up right there if you're if you're looking for it. You know, it's definitely to me a Either a real tiger coming over a fence or a stuffed tiger with a pole up its ass. One of the two. To be, to be, to be absolutely blunt. You know, I, I I can't I can't be more specific than that. You know, and and trust right. me, trust me, man, when I say this, I've been face to face with aliens. I've been within a hundred feet of two bigfoot. You know, i I've, My house is a Kmart blue light special for the weird and strange. You know, I just happen to attract a lot of weird and strange around me. And I have an open mind, but this one just does not do that. And I realize that's my opinion. And I realize where people will say that, you know what, it could be. We just don't know. But when I look at this, when I look at this, I say, no wonder skeptics have a field day with what we are seeing and experiencing. And, and shooting and shooting us down, I mean, a pull up a tiger's ass, you know, is <laughs> is not a very, uh, is not a very, you know, conclusive photo that it's a dog man.
7: And that's that, and you know what, like I said, that's your opinion, and you know I respect it, and, it's, and you know that's comparing also too with some of the videos we see of Sasquatch, you know, when we see like the. You can literally see the gorilla outline of the uh, the chest, and you can see a guy in a mask up close. It's like it's, it's like you know. Well, who are we fooling here? You know, dude. You know, I I I actually ran into one of those videos, and I said to the guy, I wrote to him, and I was like, "You're not fooling me, dude. You just BS the hell out of everybody here for clickbait." And I my comment was removed and blocked because those are the type of people who live on just trying to make a little goof and mockery on what we research and that's what really puts us down because we're not here to make fun of it we're here to try to let people know about it and let it know it exists without having heavy ridicule hit us in the back of the ass because we have very little evidence and very little um, explanation
4: and now because we're getting into the unknown all of my fans on on the Spreaker chat room are now bringing up gnomes and yeah there it is on twitter now i knew it was only a matter of time damn you people seriously no you you know i hate garden gnomes and by the way a a friend of mine gave me garden gnomes for my birthday i got a garden gnome i got a garden gnome sitting in the studio of uncle jimbo's cabin right here it's driving me nuts. This damn thing, and it's a bobblehead not garden gnome. You people are terrible, honestly. You people <laughs> in the chat rooms are what terrible. Was the, what was that one commercial? It had like a gnome involved. I think it aired oh, that, in the, too. The Travelocity. I hate.
1: Travelocity,
4: I turn the. I turn yeah, the channel every every time that thing comes on. You know, I, I turn that commercial off. It just drives me nuts you
2: Exactly.
4: Now, I'll tell you a little bit of a strange story that happened to me last year, okay? You're right and, for it. And, like I said, I have, you know, I realize that when I tell my <laughs> stories on this show about what got me to this point in Spaced Out Radio and where I am in this community as, as a voice... Is my own experiences. I've been face to face with five extraterrestrials. I've had a close encounter of the third kind that has happened to me. I've been around two Bigfoot within a hundred feet. I've seen more UFOs and had more paranormal experiences than than I would want or believed I would ever have. Okay, I don't understand the strange. Okay, but I'm like everyone else. I have. Alert, a yearning interest in learning what this is all about last year now as far as i know let me preface this before i uh, and i've talked to linda godfrey and others who are looking at a dogman and there haven't been any dogman sightings in british columbia that have been recorded as of yet now last year my wife and i went to get firewood and we went down this this trail This logging road trail that, you know, in British Columbia, when you you have an unlimited ability to cut down as many dead trees that are still standing because it's the dead trees, the fallen trees that cause the forest fires. And so the government of Canada allows us to cut down as many dead trees as we want for use uh, for firewood. So we were out doing that, and we came down this trail, and my wife and I are both very very intuitive. She much more than me. And the feeling that we got was nothing that we had ever seen before or experienced before. And I'll tell you, the only thing that came to my mind, and I've been around ghosts, good and bad. I've been around aliens, been around, you know, Bigfoot you get to recognize, as weird as this may sound, you get to recognize the energy. Okay? The energy that something gives off. Okay? I, I don't know how to explain it any more than that. But what we felt along this trail was nothing her nor I had gone through. And we went through everything. And literally telling the forest, okay out loud we're just here to take this dead tree down so that way it doesn't you know cause maybe a forest fire let us take the tree and we'll chop it up we'll fill it up and then we'll get out of here and the energy seemed to subside but my wife was so weirded out she did not allow our three-year-old son to be anywhere out of our sight let alone she didn't even want him outside of our truck so we, we grabbed the tree, knocked it down, cut it up, filled the truck full of wood, continued down the path because we were going to go get another tree. So we continued down a, probably another half to three-quarters of a mile down this trail, and that feeling was even stronger. Absolutely strong. And the only thing, And the only thing that came to my mind, like I said, I've been around a lot of creatures and a lot of strange things, but it felt like we were being watched by a dogman. Don't tell me why or ask me why I knew that. Okay? And I don't. Technically, I don't know that. Okay? But when running through my head, okay, it doesn't feel like a spirit because this is what spirits feel like. It doesn't feel like Bigfoot because this is what I felt when I when I saw Bigfoot. It doesn't feel like aliens because I've been around aliens. It didn't feel the same. And it felt scary. And her and I rarely get scared. I've been around. You got to realize, in my area of of Canada, we have grizzly bears, we have black bears, we have deer, elk, moose, cougars, lynx. Which I just saw one last week, or the week before. Wow, are those beautiful? Ran right across the street mm-hmm. from me as I was driving at night, and then it. Beautiful sta- creatures. Oh, and it, it, the beautiful part about it was it actually stared me down as I slowed by to drive by it. And anyways, we got a lot of animals around here that can kill you, is what I'm saying. Okay, there's even wild boars here and wild horses. So there is a lot of things that can kill you. But this felt nothing, nothing I had ever experienced before. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, this isn't comfortable here. She wanted to leave. I agreed with her. I said, let's get the hell out of here. This does not feel safe. And that's exactly what we did. We got the hell out of Dodge, left the one tree that we wanted to take down, just said, let's go find another area. Went to another area of the forest, nothing. No energy, nothing. Totally different.
7: Well, you know, and first of all, that's actually a pretty incredible story. That sounds. You, that definitely has a dog man alley up there because that not, that reminds me of a story that I also recently just heard from another member of the group who had said to me that, you know, he was um, going to go ahead and start ready to go to his campsite in one of these parks. Um, and when he was chopping fire, chopping trees to get wood because he he did it, like, illegally, but he basically... Didn't get his own wood with him. He wanted to get the real oak and he was in an area where you couldn't find a human being at least a half mile away. So he was, you know, sitting there having a couple beers and just, you know, next thing you know, he's about ready to finish his one can of Heineken and he just has his presence right next to him. Just like, you know, like, uh, a, not a, a little growl he heard also but just like his, his hairs began to stand up on the back of his neck. You know, he began to get goosebumps and like he began to like twitch, not in like a, a certain context of twitch. Like you normally you see it as, but like his he was just getting all shooken up and like, you know, he was like in his mind, like what the hell's going on? So his truck was on the other side and his instinct said to him, get up slowly and just haul ass and run, and that's what he did. He didn't look back. He didn't look and see. He left all his belongings behind, and just darted out of the area. Now, what makes me think that it was a dog man? Well, because you know, you could tell when you're in a Sasquatch set. Wow, a Sasquatch territory. Okay, you'll notice that even though that you're going to be watched. You can tell when Sasquatches want to get your attention. They'll start banging on trees, and they'll start, you know, rattling around, maybe making funny noises, mimicking voices. You'll know when you're in a Sasquatch area. Dogmen don't make no sudden movement, no noises whatsoever. They'll, keep, they'll be in your presence, and they'll keep quiet and wait and wait until you make a move, if they want to be stealthy about it. So you may have had, actually, a dogman encounter. A peaceful one, at least. And this guy had one that was peaceful, but, you know, he didn't say anything amongst the lines of you talking to the wild, saying, we're just grabbing the wood, we mean no harm. So he was just, you know, completely freaked and terrified because of this creature that easily could have snatched him, and it would have been, like, the end of him. So I think you had a dogman encounter,
4: Dave. I don't know if I did or not. Like I said, you know, a lot of people won't understand out there when I say it's it's about the energy. Okay? If you're in tune with your energy, and, and I hate to get all spiritual and zen by saying that, but I don't know how else to put it. It wouldn't surprise me, Okay? Is what I'm saying. It would not surprise me, because the one thing that I have learned on this journey that started in 2011 for me is that everything has a different energy. It's like it's like you know when you go into your work and when you're in the parking lot, and you can tell whether it's going to be a stressful day, uh, a nightmarish day, or a great day. You know, I think we've all had that feeling like when we're walking up to the doors at work and we're like, uh-oh, something's wrong. What's going on? You just get that intuitive feeling, that gut feeling. That, that's kind of how I'm trying to explain this, okay, to people, who right. may, who, to people who may not understand. This was something that I, I never knew, okay? I never recognized this feeling. And trust me, and I realize that's easy to say, trust me, I just, I don't know what it was, but whatever it was gave me the heebie-jeebies, and it did not feel very comfortable. And it's funny, here, here's the caveat to this story. A week, 10 days later, my buddy and I actually went down that exact same trail, exact same trail and we made a turn to go up the mountain and when we went down that exact same trail nothing i stood outside where i got freaked out stood in that area and nothing the energy had changed there was nothing there that made me feel that oh crap i'm in danger here like it did that day it was that scary and it was
7: just one of those uh, one-time one occasions. Must have just been trying to travel to another side and detected you guys and was just probably just waiting for you guys to leave so it could just travel on, migrate some results. Because people do get that, you know, when they return to some of their areas. You know, a person who's had, like, a small encounter, but one with, like, a similar, you know, hair-raising and, like, uncomfortable like um, atmospheric uh, sense, um, and they come back to the area, but there's like no, they're relieved because there's like nothing there, it's almost like the, your mind is telling you through an instinct of telling you what is going on. And it's sort of like they're communicating in a way, but you don't, you're just going by what your brain's telling you, what you think you're doing, what you're going to do next. It's happened with a lot of people. And you know your your story is roughly close to the same story as we've heard. I mean, have you ever submitted that actually to uh, no to one of the groups?
4: I will never. I'll, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I am not. My experiences are for me. Yes, I share right. them. With, I share them with my audience. And I think there are way too many f tards in this field if I could use that term politely, that I would not trust my stories with. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example. I have a video of a fairy. I have a video of a fairy that my daughter caught. I'm not a video editor. I don't know how to blur out images, nor am I giving anybody that video to do that. But my daughter has fairies all around her all the time. And she caught this ferry in February of 2016 accidentally on camera. And you have to understand, where I live in British Columbia, it is cold. Okay? It is very, very cold. And around February of that year, it was around minus 20, minus 25 degrees Celsius. There was about two and a half feet, three feet of snow outside. And my daughter and her friend are filming themselves dancing, as you know, teenage girls do. And if you look at the window behind her, you actually see the fairy move in a strange thing. Now, a lot of skeptics would eat that up and they say, oh, that's a bug. That's, a, that's some sort of fly or that's this or that's that. At minus 25 degrees, there are no bugs, even in your house. Yep. Okay, there are no bugs. They don't like cold. They bury themselves into hibernation or underground or into trees to survive the winter. There are no bugs. And so I've never released that. My experiences are for me. And I refuse to allow the public scrutiny over something that I am trying to learn. Now a lot of people will say, Oh, you're hiding something or you're you know you're obviously just wanting people to believe your word when how do we believe your word? I get that. And frankly, I don't I don't care. But there are too many in my opinion, from doing this show for almost three years now, every single night of the week, there are way too many idiots out there, and I'll use a politer term than F Tard. Okay, but there are way too many idiots out there who are causing a lot of havoc in this field just because they either A, don't want to believe, or B, it doesn't suit their vision or their scientific uh, research that they're not conducting any science whatsoever. And I refuse to give in to that. If you want to buy me as a respected, my stories, as a, as a respected member of the media, I'm okay with that. I'm very much okay with that, but I will not give anybody the time of day to try and scrutinize what I have experienced over the last five years, because I can tell you right now, I don't want to be in this hot seat. I'm here because I need to be to find out the answers to what has happened to me, and that's why I'm here.
7: And you know what, I mean, and that's why I have a big respect for you, because, you Yourself on what you do with your show, you keep it, and that's how it is. I'm the same way. I've never had a dolphin encounter or a Sasquatch encounter. I've had a couple paranormal encounters, but they weren't major. To me, if a if an encounter is a major encounter that involves serious ordeal, that it should be addressed. Then, but if it's just a one like you see me and then I go away type encounter, it, it's nothing special. It's the same thing as any other other person's had an encounter. But if it gets bad and physical or something happens and it's like trying to get into a car, then absolutely, it'll be something major to discuss the public. But besides that, you know, everything is kept under wraps. You know, that's what I choose to do and that's what you choose to do and that's final. No one can, they can give us a million dollars to talk about it for public. I'm not going to take that million dollars.
4: Well, it's respecting yourself too. Right. Absolutely. And, and, yep. and I and I feel for people and I've met numerous people in this field who have absolutely been raked over the coals just because they're different or just and I'm not turning this into a big liberal libtard type show here or topic. OK, because frankly, it's not political. We're all searching for answers Yet we're all ready. We've all have our knives sharpened, ready to stab someone when they finally come out and cut up all of their stories. It's it's crap, and you know, I can be honest with you. I've thrown people out of my chat room because of it, because they were just right. being idiots about it. Right? We're here to open up. We're here yep. to open up our minds and expand what is going on. It's just like on this show we have this this motto. And a lot of people and we've taken harassment over it. Our motto is we believe everybody. Because the way we look at it is the guest will prove themselves right or the guest will prove themselves wrong. It's not my job as a host. I will call you out on things, but that's why we believe everybody. Because I've never stood in your shoes, Chris. You've never stood in any of the experiencers' shoes. You haven't stood in mine and vice versa. So who am I to say that your story is wrong? But there's too many people re- ready out there to jump down other people's throats. And I don't like that. Damn I it, neither. man.
7: That's, a good, yeah, that's important, too, to keep a nice head on your shoulder. Because you, you're ready to go back at them in case they have anything to say to you in ridicule. But, you know, it's always best to keep something like that private because, you know what, mm-hmm. I mean... Sometimes it's best to keep things private for the better sake of what you do. Absolutely. And that's just a huge first philosophy. Um, Real quick, I know... um, How many more minutes do we got?
4: We got about four and a half.
7: Okay. Do you want me to answer any questions or talk about my show real quick?
4: Yeah, let's mention your show in case anybody wants to tune on in, which I highly suggest you do. Okay, well...
7: For everybody out there and also Dave, uh, Cryptonormal X is a show I started doing in March. Um, it is the discussion of cryptozoology and paranormal research. I've had David Kyleman to Karen A. Dahlem come on the show to Jody Cook as well as a couple other, uh, eyewitnesses who aren't as big in the field but they've told their stories for the first time on my show we normally discuss cryptids a whole lot but i'm also putting in a lot more paranormal guests ready to set up for the scheduling and you know my show it's you know i have no filter i mean people do say swear words but it's kept to a minimum but regardless they're telling their story they're giving us information they're telling us what we need to know it's a very good show if you want to listen to something else besides your usual podcast for the evening we normally go about an hour long to two hours the latest on special episodes though we might go over two hours or three hours or four hours depending on how big of an episode it is we often live stream um but other than that you know crypto normal x is as a new show it's also a facebook group if anybody's interested in joining it it's CryptoNormalX, C-R-Y-P-T-O-N-O-R-M-A-L-X. It's the Facebook group. You can like the Facebook page. And if you also want to be a member of some of the Dogman groups, like the Dogman Believers Only and International Dogman and Bigfoot Research, go right ahead. You know, those are my other uh, administration groups. So if you looking for something nice on a Saturday night at 9 p.m. by you guys in Canada, it most likely is going to be on a Monday you, or not Monday, but like, oh yeah, it would be. No, it wouldn't. Duh. Um, if you would be looking for something though on your Saturday nights, feel free to tune in. We're out. We normally upload every episode at 9 PM. So by you guys would be 5 PM. So guys feel free to, to take a look at Crypto Normal X. You know, we have a lot of fun on that show. It's a great show. Life's spaced out. And you know, my main goal is to get more people involved and, interested in this type of stuff because it is very interesting to learn
4: the topics are incredible they are very very incredible when it comes to what we are seeing and what we are experiencing because in the end you know you can have all the research that you want and you can try and debunk or you can try and disbelieve whatever you want that is your prerogative but in the end the stories of the people who are being affected by these experiences is number one, isn't it?
7: That's right. They are number one, no matter what. I make sure the eyewitness or the investigator who I'm interviewing has enough has enough time to talk and has enough time to let out whatever they want to talk about. And you know, that's technically speaking, it's not my show or my co-worker co- uh, co-host. It's technically their eyewitnesses. It's their show. They're the ones who talk about their stories, and they're free and will to say whatever they want, and it's, that's where it goes. They're getting, they're taking time out of their day to come on a show, and they're letting it all out left and right, and, it, and it's great because it, I, I've combined paranormal researchers the ones on paranormal to meet cryptozoology, and they like it as well as crypto and paranormal meeting at the same time. So in a way, it's kind of like you know combining them as a group. I make it, you know, everybody gets along and enjoys it. So, you know, folks, I mean, if you're looking for something interesting on a Saturday night, we, we go into some heavy stuff with Sasquatch, Dogman, Ghosts, and Paranormal. You guys, Trippin' Normal X is where it's at, you know? I would hope everybody in the chat or in general, if you know somebody who's interested in it, feel free to check it out. You know, we're, we're still building up, but, you know, we have a lot of episodes planned. June 26th is the LBL episode. And I have a couple more interviews coming up this week that will be uploaded next week and the following and so on and so forth. So, guys, take a good look. It's an amazing show. I think everybody will like it.
4: My friend, I'm going to get you to hold on. I'm going to wrap things up. In the background of my voice, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw lead guitarist of Guns N' Roses, currently the guitarist of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Thank you, Mr. Thal. Appreciate you rocking us in and out of every show. Tomorrow night on the program, spiritual contact with Elizabeth April, one of our monthly features with the young lady from Toronto, Ontario, who just amazes us with her connections to the other side and more. We want to thank everyone who took part in tonight's chat rooms. want to say thank you to the team that surrounds me, Director of Business Management, Kim Gandy, our great intro voice, Bob Davis, Everett Themer and Eric Markham from The Encounter Online, Jolene Lammers, web design, Catherine James, social media, Lana Scott, Paracon coordinator, and Thomas McGowan in sales. And all of you listening in, because together... My Spaced Out Radio friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, do me a favor. Take us home. Good night.